Everybody good? Good. Hey, buddy. Welcome back. I knew you were here, because when you're not, they hand me my water. When you're here, it's just sitting right there. <laughs> it's good to hand me the water. It's just different. I just knew. <laughs> no, fatty. It's good. It's personal to hand me the water. It's cool. <laughs> but he's on it. He's just... <laughs> They're both just as good. You don't have to explain. <laughs> or you'll be as red as she was yesterday in a minute. <laughs> you don't blush. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> Aren't they funny? You guys doing good? Good. Father, I worship you. Thank you. Father, we just submit this day to you. We just, we just thank you for the day. Your word says this is the day the Lord has made. Yeah. We're going to rejoice and be glad. Thank you. We receive mercy today. We receive grace. We thank you for right standing through Jesus Christ. We just thank you for the gospel that never grows old. We just thank you for your word that stays fresh and alive in our hearts. And we just thank you that you cause our eyes to see and our hearts to know and understand. Father, thank you. You've come so near to us through Jesus by your Spirit. You've come and revealed the truth about who you are, your desire, your will, your intent is so clear through your word. Thank you for identifying us, putting truth back in our hearts, purpose back in our lives. Thank you for putting us in position so we can write destiny, write legacy, and fulfill all your will. We really want to do that, Lord. I believe I'm speaking on behalf of everybody here and online that we really want to fulfill your will. So continue to lead us and guide us by your Spirit. Cause us to hear your voice so clear. And we just thank you for all the grace available in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So, uh, I want to talk about us just carrying this, this. Remember how I passed the baton of the New Covenant, New Testament church? We taught that, you know, and he just... We want to talk about just carrying that a little bit. Uh, let me run down something. What do you want to do there? Yeah, let's do it this way. Let me just quote a couple of scriptures just to refresh us, and then and then I just want to talk to us a little bit about us going. Okay, I'll I'll just let you see in the word again, and, and we don't have to take long here. We've covered all this stuff now, but I I just want to spring off of it. Go to Matthew ten again, real quick with me, please. Thanks, Lord. Sorry, I'm just listening. I, I, I want to do right here. Thank you, Father. <laughs> You're good. I'm sitting here in Matthew 10 waiting to read, and I'm going back and looking into Matthew 9. <laughs> and my eyes went, <gasps> Watch this. Matthew 9, 35. Jesus went about how many cities? All the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and, wasn't just a teaching ministry, and he, isn't it amazing how he throws that in right away all the time? Seems like he's into healing and he's 
concerned about the sick and it seems like it's there all the time. And then people that don't understand say, why do you talk about healing so much? It's not always about healing. It's about people getting saved. Da, 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 da. And I'm thinking, man, you need to take that up with Jesus because he seems pretty serious about healing the sick. <laughs> Jesus is pretty into it. Hey, guys. So he went around teaching and preaching the gospel of what? The kingdom, not salvation. He's not trying to get men to pray a prayer to go to heaven. He's teaching the kingdom of God is here. He's teaching the gospel of the kingdom. John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's near. You know, you've heard a lot of teaching on the, on the kingdom. We've talked about in the beginning of school, the, the king's domain. Every, everything that God is in the way he flows and functions. It's all encompassed in the kingdom, God's will, God's desire. He's put all that in us through Christ. And we learned yesterday that, actually, I don't know if it was just yesterday. I think it was Monday, too. Today's Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> all authority. Remember Matthew 28? All authority in heaven and where? Earth has been given to me. Well, where was that? Remember we read Luke 4, Satan's tempting Jesus, it was all delivered to me. Now Jesus raises from the dead, he has the keys of hell and the grave, death. And he's making this triumphant statement, all authority has been given to me in heaven and where? And, and the immediate word right out of his mouth when he said on earth, go therefore. Why? Because he's making us one with him and his authority is now our authority in his name. We're his people. We're the body of Christ. So he says, all authority has been given to me. Go therefore. So he's saying, you're already in and you ought to know that. Look, we're, to get, we're, we're, we're together. I'm in you, you're in me. How many times do you see the Bible proclaim and exalt Jesus for who he is and immediately address us in the next sentence. I could take you to four or five places right now. Boom, boom, boom. We talked about them. I'm just kind of rehashing a little. Ephesians uh, 1 is one of those places. Philippians 2 is one of those places. Philippians 2 is one of the highest exaltations of the name of Jesus in the Bible. And it talks about every knee and every tongue whether it be in heaven, earth, or under the earth. And as soon as he makes the declaration, he says uh, about you, therefore. And then it says about God willing to do, both to will and do in us for, for his good pleasure. And, and, and he's, he's making the correlation that we're one, that we're the body of Christ, that we represent him, and that all that he is, he is in us. That's why he does that. Because he wants us to see that and accept that. And where we got this idea that, well, that's Jesus and this is us, I'm not sure, other than the devil. I'm just being plain. I'm not being rude. He's afraid of this truth. He doesn't want the gospel of the kingdom on the earth. He actually doesn't mind us telling people, you know, hey, just accept Jesus in your heart, pray this prayer, and then have them go live the same, with the same frustration, same mindset, same attitudes. That doesn't change the world. What's the big deal about that, honestly? I don't even know where we got that. Just pray in a prayer to ask Jesus in your heart and then you'll be in, in the, this book. It's called Life. And then you just say, yay, and you walk away. And they have no understanding of the purpose of follow me or lay down your life or pick up your cross or be renewed in the spirit of your mind or put off the old man. You don't even talk about that. You just say, pray a prayer to go to heaven. And it's all over the earth, man. It's the, this country's consumed with that mentality. 
So, you know, everybody, hey, that's all this. Jesus went around preaching the gospel of the kingdom. There's not one place you saw him say, pray this prayer. He's preaching the gospel. He said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to every nation, to everybody. It's just serious. It's because, see, in that, other, in that other way that we do it, we're, not, we're just teaching. It's doctrinal. We're trying to change people's minds. We're trying to get them to agree and pray a prayer. And, 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 and most of the time, there's no demonstration of, of anything. There's no even thought of just healing the sick. How many, how many, and healing how many sicknesses? Every sickness. And how many diseases? Among the people. Oh my goodness. Every sickness and every disease among the people. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Why? Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Well, the good shepherd was here. <laughs> and he was doing what a good shepherd does. He was teaching, preaching, imparting truth, and healing everybody. I don't know why that's confusing. That's pretty clear. We could go to a couple other places in the Gospels that talks this way, right? But here's the good news. It's not just Jesus. Because in the very next chapter after this, he calls his 12 disciples. Look, he says, the harvest truly is plenty, but the labors are few. He's telling us, look, he's living by example. He's saying, follow me. He's modeling a life, showing us the kingdom. And right on the heels of showing us, he says to the guys, Look, I'm looking at these crowds. They're scattered. They're weary. Man, they have no one to lead them, no one to protect them, no one to help them, no one to shepherd them. Isn't that what he's doing? And then he says, man, because they're just in one city looking at one crowd of people. He's, he's seeing Jesus. It's bigger than he's. Man, the harvest is plentiful. The labors are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. Where do we ever get the idea that if we go in the name of Jesus, we live less than what he lived and minister less than what he ministered? How can we rightly represent Jesus? <laughs> Why, well, just speaking his name and telling about him and trying to get people to, you know, oh, wow, that's, that's, wow, yeah, oh, he wants me in heaven. No, he wants our lives restored. He wants the kingdom on the earth. <laughs> we probably ought to stick with the way Jesus did it. I bet he's right. Therefore, pray the Lord of harvest to send out who? Laborers, workers into the harvest. And when he had called his twelve, he gave them... Watch this. This is amazing. He has the ability to do this, guys. He picked these guys out of the crowd. It's like we said the other day. Somebody said it's no different than the disciples. When I said, we're the best he's got. We're the team of God. You're the roster of heaven. And you're the best he's got. And he's cool with that. And he wants you to be cool with that too. Come on. He's not looking past you. He's looking at you. You ought to just accept that. Who's the gospel for? For all who come. Whoever. Whoever. You're a whoever. So the disciples are the same boat. We're in the same boat. He called them out, right? We looked at Mark 3. He called them to himself, those who he wanted. 
He wooed your heart. Why? Because he wanted you. But look at this. He gave them authority. That's good. That's in your Bible? Because that word power and, and authority gets interchanged a lot. And uh, actually in Luke 10, I'm pretty sure the second word power is more like the dunamis type power, like the exercising of, of force. Right? And, and he's talking about the power of the enemy. So don't, don't think the devil's a lion with no teeth. He, he does have teeth and he destroys people that don't understand. So I'm not exalting him. I'm just saying don't, 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 don't. He does have power in that sense. He takes advantage of things and, and he does bring destruction. He steals, kills and destroys. So he's, he's not just an intimidator in the sense of he's not just all smoke. You follow what I'm saying? Like I've heard preachers say, look, he's roaming around like a Roman lion, he, a roaring lion. He just doesn't have any teeth. He's this and that. He's been disarmed. Well, that's not true. But you're not to fear him. You're to fear God. And you're to know who you are and not give him any place and don't be unaware of his devices. Don't let him get inside your head. Because the reason he tries to get in your head is because he wants to get to your heart. He gave them authority over unclean spirits. Isn't that amazing? Jesus didn't even raise from the dead yet. He didn't even shed his blood yet. And he's the Lord. He's there because he's here. He, he's, he's, he's God's mercy on the earth is what he is. And he's God's love and God's forgiveness. He's literally God's heart manifested on his earthly ministry. He's God's heart towards man. In the flesh. Is that sweet or what? And he's walking the earth. And, and now he calls these men. And he's so the Lord. He is so the king. Like the devil can't stop him. We got to get that in our lives. In our hearts. And stop being afraid. And understand who we are in Christ. Like the devil is so freaked out by Jesus. He's powerless. In his presence. He really is. Look, God's going to wrap him in chains and throw him in eternal everlasting fire. And there's nothing he can do about it. Nothing. He can't stop that. He can't get a big enough army to stop that. That is happening. Do you see how defeated he is where God's concerned? We better make sure he's defeated where we're concerned because God is in us. And that is not an arrogant phrase. I'm not being pompous. I'm being real. Come on. Jesus gave his guys authority. The first thing was over the devil. Over unclean spirits. Why? Because when man sinned, he got thumped and, and got under the foot of the devil. Right? And he's under the authority of the devil. And we were birthed in the nature of the enemy. We, were, we, 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 we came in under a taskmaster. Bound to serve him. Just by sheer instinct because of what happened in the fall. You didn't, not because you chose it. You were like his slave. That's serious. He puppeteered us through life. Every time you expressed anger and you modeled him. Every time you walked in jealousy and, and de deceit and all that stuff, we were just like him our whole life. Sad, isn't it? 
Here's Jesus coming into the middle of that scene, into the middle of that scenario, pulls out some guys and dubs them with authority to go bust the chops of that same one. Come on, that's intent. One minute they're being led like puppeteers, like they're puppets. He's just leading them through life by their nature, by their attitudes, by their mindsets. They're under the power of the devil. And now Jesus is there and he's given them authority to thump the very one that was controlling them. That speaks to me. So I would say the born again experience is pretty cool. Because you're a believer now, and the first sign that follows you is you cast out devils. It's the first thing on the list. Isn't it? And we're still kind of half spooked out about them or freaked out or try to ignore that. We're like, ooh, devil. Oh my God, devil. Ooh, did you see? I think they manifested. They always manifested around Jesus. And they were afraid. That's why they manifest. They're squirmy-wormy at that point. Why, why do we manifest when they manifest? <laughs> I'm just saying. Unclean, unclean spirits. To what? To threaten them? To cast them out. To cast them out. Adam and Brian were just telling me there, he, Brian was at a youth thing and, and he saw girls manifesting and some things happened. Not, not to just put on girls, it's not that guys can't, but it, it is funny how I said, that's amazing because it was the same denomination I was at a youth camp of. And as I was teaching, and he said, that's exactly what's happening. As he was teaching truth and love and just the truth, things started manifesting in the teenagers. And that's what happened to me at a big camp I went to. I was sharing and pouring out my heart. Next thing you know, I had girls. I don't know why it was just girls. That you even said it was girls. But it was just girls would start crying and, 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 and their body would go in. And then next thing you know, they were laying out and, and there was a big uh, distraction trying to happen with the kids. And I'd just say, it's okay. Just leave her. It's okay. Just leave her right there. And then I would just... And then every once in a while we had to go to one because it got... It was just the kids. It was all new to the kids. And we just, but we didn't, you know, just have to go, devil, you come out of her. A lot of times when we do that, we're intimidated a lot of times when we attack and loud voice. You know, we're, we're trying to, it, it's not about intimidation. It's about authority. Authority can actually talk soft if, if it wants to. But it's authority. I remember being so gentle with the one girl. Because it felt that way in my spirit. See, you see, what do you mean? It's discernment. It's just Holy Spirit. It's discernment. Uh, if you get a mic over to John at some point, it's whoever has it. And thank you. And uh, I just remember saying, Jesus loves you so much, girl. Father, thank you for your love for her. You are so precious. Oh, you want him. Oh, you so want him. And I was just stirring her heart because her heart was convicted at the hearing of the word and it was, her conscience was and there was all kinds of things going on inside of her and it was like a form of repentance. And as she was drawn into this place of repentance, the devil that had seized her was like, no way! And he... You see? Because her heart was going, yeah, yeah, I want Jesus. 
And I said, you so want him, honey. I was, I was stroking through her hair with my fingers pulling off her face. And she says, you know, I cast the thing out of her. That's what we're doing. So I was talking at her. Her heart was going, yeah, I do. I want you, Jesus. All of a sudden, she's just totally limp. Totally, she didn't even know what happened, what was going on. She, couldn't, she said, what's happening? What's going on with me? Why am I laying here? She didn't even know. It was just sweet. I said, honey, come here. Jesus loves you. Your heart's responding to him. You're so precious to him. You've been in his heart since the beginning of time. Your life's not an accident. And she said, because she was suicidal. And I said, ah, you just hold her. The love of God is just ridiculous. It's just so good. You can hardly describe it. And, and we watched that over and over. He had the same experience. And uh, why? Because there's authority even in the clear preaching of the word. And I'm going to tell you this right now. It's in my heart to say this to you guys. It's not about trying to be a preacher and it's not about trying to get a, a spot to speak in a crowd or a home group. Or a, it's about becoming that word Amen. and living that word so that when you speak, it comes out of your reality, not your knowledge. And as it comes out of your reality, it automatically carries an authority. I had a, a gentleman as a pastor over these rehab houses this weekend he said, Dan, I've listened to you speak. I've, I got on your website after that conference and listened to all this stuff. And he said, dude, I'm just touched, man. He said, you're not just speaking the word. You're speaking in authority. And it has the power to touch hearts and change things. And he said, I can hear the authority in it when I'm hearing it. And he said, man, that's awesome. He said, that's because it's your, your, your reality. You're living this thing. I said, well, that's the only way we should preach. Some people have a need to preach because it makes them feel like they've arrived as a, as a Christian or a teacher or a preacher. And they're studying, trying to come up with a good sermon. <laughs> you can be glad I'm not trying to come up with a good sermon. I would probably really flop and bore you. But uh, we're entertained even by that sometimes. And, and, and no, it's becoming a message carrying a message to where all of a sudden you're put on the spot but you're not on the spot because there's a message alive inside of you I say to people all the time God could translate me right now I could be talking to you and all of a sudden appear in a stadium of 10,000 and except for being a little shocked that I'm all of a sudden in a stadium of 10,000 I would have something to say immediately if I was there at a platform and a mic and all of a sudden I realized wait I'm not at the school anymore Oh my gosh, God, you just translated me. I wouldn't be like, oh, it would be cool. And I would be like, I wouldn't be like, oh my God, 10,000 people, what do I say? I would be like, are you kidding me? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Why? Because there's a message on the inside, because something's become real. It's called the Gospel, John. Thanks, Father. Yeah, I just have a question as far as uh, the, the kind of authority that we have over these demons. Last night, um, I was woke up and there was one, somehow one slipped through the cracks, I don't know, but one was like on Shana and she, I was trying to wake her up and she couldn't wake up. She, <gasps> Man, it, was, it freaked me out and it made me so angry at this thing. Um, right. And I wasn't even trying to figure it out. Uh, how did it happen? Was it an open door? I, just somehow one slipped through the cracks. I know there's no sin in our life or anything, but I was, 
I thought of Jesus like when he sent the ones into the pig, and it's, uh, I feel like this is kind of fitting for this question we were going to ask you afterwards. But they begged him not to send them to torment. Is that something that we can do? Do, we, do you think that we well, have that let, authority? Let me, let me just answer. You have the authority to cast them out. That's what the Bible said. Men have read that section. There's a whole book written on that one thing about the pigs and stuff. Here's the deal. They're begging. When demons fell out in front of Jesus, they're saying, Don't, have you come to judge us before, torment us before our time? So when they're encountering Jesus, there's other spirits that said the same thing. Because they know, they're, they're living in constant fear. Do you understand that? They're living in constant fear. And they, they're, they're, they're denial artists. In other words, they like to get people in denial. They like to make people like them. Because if they can suppress the authority in the body of Christ, suppress the kingdom, keep you from knowing who you are, it, it keeps them as if their time's not coming. They, they feel in control. They're subduing. The more Jesus is manifested, the more they're in the face of the day of torment. The more they're aware of how defeated they are. So there wasn't just that, that legion of spirits that said that. There was, there's, there's spirits that, that, that... I've read... I have friends actually that get into all this stuff and they're saying, you cast them here, you do this. They don't have any scripture to back it up. They're just building it off of that one thing. I'm just nervous about that stuff. Here's the deal. You just, you cast them out. You cast them out. Look, to cast them out. Then we go, out where? Just cast them out. Get out. Get out of my house. Get out of my spouse. Get out of my kids. Get out of my neighbor. Get out. And you say, well, yeah, but they're just going to get into somebody else. Well, then cast them out when that time, there's, there's, that's why we're the church, that's why the earth should be filled with God's glory, that's why we ought to be taking this sober and running the race and living like the people of God, because people need help. It's just simple to me, but just, I, I, I'm not, honestly, and I know the videos run, I'm, I'm not in agreement with all that stuff, listen, these guys are, are these hundreds, these legion of demons are inside this man, and they go, Oh my God, don't cast us into torment. Uh, how about those pigs? I know you ain't going to let us stay here because we know you love people. Oh, pigs, how about the pigs? You know, he's not making a plea bargain with the devils. The pigs are forbidden. They're considered unclean. They're outside the law. I think it's kind of funny. Yeah. They're saying, send us where we belong. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny to me. Jesus says, go into the pigs. <laughs> the pigs were unclean under the law. They weren't... The, the, the... They're like cursed. You know, and, and they're not now. I, I eat a good ham sandwich. <laughs> We're in a new and living way. It's a new covenant. Smith Wigglesworth, one time they asked him to bless the food. They were having pork. He said, they said, Smith, could you please bless this gathering? He said, Lord, if you can bless what you once cursed, so be it. Amen. <laughs> That's what Smith Wigglesworth prayed. 
But the re- I'm just cautious in answering your question a little bit. But I can tell you this, people have taken that to the extreme and get spooky crazy with it. And some of those people I've actually watched, I call it starry-eyed. They get mystified and open the door to all kind of weird stuff and entertain crazy. I've just seen sad stuff in those arenas. Let's just take what Jesus gave us and not add to it. Uh, don't try to cast devils into pigs. Don't hold conversations with them. Just cast them out. Just love the people. I've found, I've, I've hugged people and loved people and had devils come out of people hugging people. Did you watch it? I don't know if I didn't, I thought he said it didn't work that day. Did you? Did they all see it? Okay. There's just an authority, and Jesus is loving people. You're not on a devil trip. Jesus said to him in Luke, he said, don't rejoice that the devils are... Don't get on a power trip. Don't get into that. Don't... Yeah. 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 It's loving people. Yeah, right. The reason... The, the authority comes through the love. It's... The, 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 they can't... A in love. They're totally opposite of love. Isn't that what they deceived man to fall from? The realm of love? Isn't that what happened in the garden? So Jesus comes, he totally loves the people with no agenda, no string attached, not an ounce of sin in his heart. Not an ounce of pretense. And he's just walking and and devils are like, Oh my God! It's pretty cool. We've had some pretty neat experiences over the years. I have had myself. Todd had a couple pretty interesting ones in some malls when we were together and even when he was out on Power and Loves. You're just talking to people sincerely in love. And sometimes things happen. And you reach out and you say, no, no, it's okay. No, look at me. Jesus does. He really loves you. You're not attacking the devil. You're not... You're not That's just the same way as casting them out. They can't stay in that place. Once the person goes, Oh my God, what just happened to me? I felt like I was going to throw up. I don't know what... Well, how do you feel right now? I feel okay. Okay, good. Now you have total action. Now you pour into their heart. You speak truth. You've got them face to face. And you don't make a big fuss. Well, that was the devil. You say, well, that was some things. And you don't make light of it at, at, at certain points. But you could tell them, but you get them filled. You get them clean, you get them swept, and you get them occupied with truth. You see what I mean? You, you, you get them filled up with truth. Because there's so much controversy with this whole casting out devils thing. Jesus didn't make it that complicated. He said, cast them out. He said in Mark 16, the first sign that follows believers, they'll cast out devils. It's amazing he didn't write a chapter and break it all down. He just said, cast them out. You, you see uh, Paul one day, this lady's just following him. And it's a long time, like what, three days? These men are children of the Most High God. And she's yelling over and over. And it says, Paul, after a while, was like, oh. and he turned and he said, come out of her. Ah! 
you know? You, you look at that, you could, you, could, you, could, you, could, you could read into that and make mistakes. You can make too much out of that. You could come up with reasons why he waited three days and why this and what he... And all of a sudden you write a book. We need to stop being so book crazed. <laughs> Let's just do what Jesus said. Because I've read a lot of books on this demon stuff that gets, it, it gets, it's way out of the boundaries of what we even have. So I'm just, I'm just telling you, I'm a little concerned about that area. I really am. I mean, we're making tunnels now in the spirit. We're creating tunnels and we're sending them through those tunnels into the abyss. That's, that's been around for years, those books and people doing that stuff. I had people come to a meeting I was doing and ran to the owner or the authority over the place and said, listen, I know he doesn't understand anything about deliverance. So as he's casting all this stuff out and the stuff's getting out, we're over here making tunnels so none of this stuff contaminates your place and gets into you and gets into your property. And, and, and I just don't have time for that. And I'm just not being arrogant and I'm not being rude. I'm, like, I'm just like, God have mercy on us. That's, yeah, well now, I'll get a letter about that one. That one's on video. So pray for me for more understanding then, please. God, do you understand it's becoming love? It's not strategies and tactics and methodology. Who's ever done everything the Bible says and tried to follow everything the Bible says and didn't see anything happen or work anyway? Oh yeah? So we do all the things that everybody says we're supposed to do and it seems to hardly ever work. How's that for straight talk? It's because the goal of our instruction is love. It's not a method and we're not moving in fear and we're not just trying the Bible and it's not just what we're called to do. Love is who we're called to be and through who we are we can do a lot of things. So even this whole devil casting out thing, it's got to come from love. It's got to be from love. I remember David Hogan, one of the first videos I, I saw, it was kind of like, uh, John, I know you're walking out, but I, as you're walking, I'll just address what you had said a while ago about Shana last night. He was in the jungle and his little four-year-old boy just started to get ripped on by demonic spirits. And he said... And my wife and I surrounded her and we started... He said, you know how you do all the things you're taught to do and it never works? And I went, oh my gosh, he's so right. Not that it never worked, but in many cases, you know. I've, I've watched devils manifest and, and we panic. We, we, we've, we read a lot of those books. We're trying to apply our knowledge to the situation. It's one of the paradoxes actually sitting under teaching. You, you just try to apply your knowledge to the situation instead of get in relationship with Jesus and let the knowledge become your reality in your life. By conveying it back to Him and being in a position for grace to mold you. Next thing you know, we just have one, two, three. And now when we're faced with it, we try to apply the sermon we heard in that topic. Instead of become that in our life. And I've spent two weeks of this school in the beginning talking about all that. So, that, and that was on purpose. The two, whole two weeks talking about stuff like that. Uh, and this thing came back, John. It, it would come and it would go and then it would come right back. And he said it, it just seemed like there was nothing we could do to stop. And it was hurting his boy bad. And he said, and then it kind of went away. And he said, we were sitting there like, oh my God. We were like, we were just, he said, we were just like 
schizzy. Like, it's, is it going to come back? It's our little four-year-old boy. And he said some more weird stuff started happening. Uh, doors were open that were still locked. There was just a lot of stuff he said. He didn't go into detail. He's, he's a different kind of fella. He, he said, I'm not going to go into detail because you Americans will just make a fat out of it and you'll chase after it and get distracted. And he's right. He said, you know why you do that? He said, because you're searching. But why are you looking anywhere but Jesus? It's Jesus. He said, you're looking, you're searching, you're chasing your manifestations, you're chasing the next fad, you're chasing the latest thing. He said, it's in Jesus, and I agree with him. But he said, after a couple weeks went by, he said he was yelling for his boy, hey, hey, he wanted him to move something or do something, and he said it wasn't like his boy to ignore him. And he's like, well, that ain't God, that ain't my boy, he doesn't just ignore his daddy. And he walks over, and he, here he was totally deaf, completely deaf. And he said, you know, that kind of stuff is what wrecks us because it's so assaultive. It's so in our face. It's our four-year-old boy, and now he's deaf. And it's for the cause of the kingdom, and it's because you're in a jungle to preach Jesus, and all of a sudden your first instinct could be to get freaked out, frustrated, even mad at God. God, I'm in this jungle. I don't even really want to be here. I'm here because I feel like you called me here. You could at least protect my kid. And then, then you're just an employee with that mentality. And he's your boss and he's not a good one. And now you have a complaint. You probably need a labor board or something. I don't know. Look, my boss called me into here and he ain't even watching my back. And now my... It's, it's not even relationship. It proves it's not even relationship, that mentality. It's not, even, it's, it's not even communion union. You haven't even established your heart that God is good and amazing and you're in a war and He's not flagrant and He's not inconsistent. He is faithful. He is a steady rock and He can't be moved. And staying hooked up to Him in that situation is vital. And that's what David did. He said he went and he got alone for, it was like seven days or something. He said, I'm going in that room and I ain't coming out till Jesus meets me. And... He said he went in there and just stayed in that room the whole time. He didn't eat or nothing. And uh, he had a little office room there. And I told you this story in the beginning of the school. And because uh, it, 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 it had to do with the demon thing. And he just sought the Lord. And Jesus came and visited him and ministered to him. And showed him that it was witchcraft. And, and, and that it was bent against his family to discourage him. To hit him close to home. To drive him out of the jungle. And Jesus revealed all this. And he said this thing like... Oh, and, and when God showed him that, he said, this authority, is, he just said, I got up out of my chair and I went across the street. He said, the, the witch doctor was in the street, standing, waiting for him. Actually was already realizing he was coming. And he said, you know, he said, so many times they're so far ahead of you. And then he, he sounds corrective, he sounds harsh on the video. But he says, see, he said, they're serious. We just want our needs met. But they're serious. They have laid down their life for this power. They, 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 they do stuff that is ridiculous. We think it's out of our, you know, their minds. But yet they're paying prices, commitment. He said, this thing always comes with a price. It's called surrender, giving yourself. We don't get saved by works. But once you're in, it costs you everything to obtain him in his full measure. The surrender, the, the denial of self, the love not your life unto death. You know, he was sharing because they're in witchcraft stuff all the time. Guys, I got to spend the afternoon with him that one day when, when he was here and we talked and talked and I asked a million questions. 
because I just thought, I, even if I frustrate him, I'm gonna, I got him here, I'm going to ask questions. People ask me a lot of questions. I'm going to ask questions. He was like, But they, they have watched people turn into animals. He said, you think you're stable. You think you're secure in Christ. You think you know and have a good grip on the kingdom. And then you see a person turn into an animal. And he said, everything unravels. He said, you have to grab, you have to sow in that realm. You have to, you understand militants. That's why he comes across the way he does. He said, you understand that you cleave to Jesus. You have to seek him. You have to hold on to him. Because of this, because he said, these witch doctors are having their disciples, these head witch doctors are locking them in caves and they put boulders all in front of the mouths of these caves and lock them in the dark in these caves. They take uh, sometimes human blood and human flesh in there with them. And they have communion with human flesh and blood and seek the devil till he comes personally and empowers them. And if he doesn't do that, to empower them to where they can one man break out of that cave they'll stay in there and die because if they can't have that kind of power they don't want to live and he said he said see they're hungry you just want your needs met it's convicting <laughs> he, he gets real strong in that video he says you Americans you just want it you Burger King people you just want it your way in five minutes he said so have it your way he, that's what he says. He gets real, he almost looks indignant. He says, you just want it your way. And five, so have it your way. Get your burger. He said, all I'll give you is gas. That's what he says. He says, get your burger. Have it then. Go have it. <laughs> it, was just, it was intense, man. But you know, we, 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 we pray. One time we pray. And it looks like it gets a little worse and we fall apart. Why isn't it working? Well, you prayed. Why didn't? What are we doing wrong? We don't know how to hold on and live by faith. We don't know how sometimes to just stay in communion with God and hold tight to Him. We start groping and, and searching and introspecting and getting unestablished. And you can turn five days into five weeks and five weeks into five months and five months into five years just in that place right there. And then at the end of five years, be like, God, where have you been? And He has never moved. It's true. Mm -hmm. But when, that, when he sought Jesus and didn't just fall apart, that's my point in that story. He, sought he didn't grab a book on demonology. That's right. He sought Jesus. Because I've watched people do all that stuff that they live by with no effect many, many, many times. You can do all the right things from wrong places. You can get on an authority trip. You can, get, you can make methods be your God. You can, it's, you, can, you can have faith in your faith. The Bible says have faith in God. We have to know Him. There was a time I had an experience in my marriage when we first got right. My wife and I, we were in a place, intimate place at home. And, and I was walking through the house and this revelation hit me. And I was like... Thank you that I know the Christ. Thank you that I know, I, know, I, know, I know you, the Lord. And I defined what the Lord was. And I said, I know, I know you, Emmanuel, God, with us. I know you, Jesus. And, and I said, but thank you, Father, that I know the Christ. It was so powerful. 
There was just shouting that and, and this this undescribable atmosphere was there. And it was my wife and I had just come through a lot of stuff and just and and this thing there's some things manifested and 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 it it was concerning my wife and it it made me really like violent, like mad. I was like upset that it was happening to her. So my first instinct was to scream at it like when I was growing up in the city. And if I didn't like somebody, I would let them know. You know, I was just like, Dah! and I was like, and, uh, and all of a sudden the Spirit of God was just, and there I was in this atmosphere, but yet my reaction was a man. It was a man's reaction, trying to defend my wife. And the Spirit of God came upon me, and, and then I, I realized, wait, this thing has no boom, and then, my wife said, what's going on? And then God gave me this sermon and that thing got, it was just neat. But it was just not, it, it shook me at first. And so when you know you wake up and Shane is there and you're doing all the right things, it's about understanding God loves us. God's love for her and it comes from that place. So we have to build that. We have to grow in that. Or you're a panicked man trying to apply the principles you've been taught. And the more you're applying them and seeing they're not working, the more questions spin. And, and it's happened to all of us. True? It's happened to all of us. So I just, I don't want to get in that place. And, uh, <clears throat> but I had that experience way back then. It was just something there that was trying to, to hold on. And, and we talked about it and got resolved. And it was awesome. But God moved it out of the room. But it wasn't because I was screaming at it. Because I tried that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, that was my actually very first encounter with anything like that. And then I had the one I shared with you guys. We talked about demons and stuff earlier. We got in it right the first week of school for some reason because I talked about getting called to the house by the girls and the one that was pregnant. And the devil said, I'm going to kill your baby. It was crazy. But see, if you're not established in love and you don't know the Lord, you're freaked out by that whole scene. Three of the girls ran out the back door. They were all in love with Jesus. They all prayed in tongues. And while they were praying in tongues, loving Jesus, the one Christian curled up and fell on the floor. She was living in infidelity and she had secret sin and, and adultery and sexual stuff in her life. And, and she had opened her life up and this thing took advantage of it and said, hmm, can't serve two masters. Let me just move into this space in your life or something happened. It's confessing Christian, spirit filled, tongue talking. But when Jesus came at a certain level, these, <laughs> these girls, oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. He went, oh, I love them girls. And the more he came, this thing finally went. And it sprung, got flushed out. It was in his presence. Do you see how freaked out they are by him? It was okay when they gathered and were talking about the Lord. It was okay when they first started worshiping. The more they gave their hearts and the more the room increased in the presence of God, this thing flushed. And they tried to distract. I was in a meeting one time. People were being slain in the spirit, falling out. God was moving in a certain way. And there was a lady way down at the end. She just fell. My first impression was, man, God, the anointing must be really strong. That's the first thing you think. 
And all of a sudden in my heart, the Lord said, it's a devil. It's playing possum. It's just going with, it's just mimicking. It's just trying to slide through the cracks. I'm like, what? When I walked over there and put my hand on the arm of the lady who's out cold, she totally started freaking out, vibrating. And ah! <laughs> it was amazing. That was discernment. That was just the Lord. It was just playing possum. It thought, well, these Christians won't know any better. I'll just, I'll just take the fall with everybody, everybody else. Yep, okay. With something. I was in a service and a lady came up. She wanted to baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the lady brought her up. And as soon as she got up front, she changed her mind. In the back of the church, she said, I really want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I really want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she said, well, let's just go up and get that guy to pray for you. When they got up, she got real afraid. I said, honey, why would you be afraid? Come on. She said, what is going on with her? She wasn't afraid in the back. She wondered, as soon as we got up here, she acted weird. I thought, yeah, I've seen this stuff before. And uh, I said, it's okay, honey. Take my hand. Look at me. In Jesus' name, be filled. Holy Spirit, come. She, her eyes just rolled up in her head. She just collapsed on the floor. She's lying on the floor. She starts praying. Seemed like tongues. Everybody in the circle is like, yay, oh my gosh, thank you, Lord. She's like, and the Lord said, tell that thing to hush. It's not my spirit. No. It's not that I'm super spiritual, I'm just in that position. I'm in the authority and God just helps us. If you're not sincere, if you're trying to impress people, if you're just getting off being a minister, excuse the rawness of that phrase, but you know what I mean by that. You just might not have that discernment. Love entitles you to all that discernment. I believe God's love for people. Sometimes he'll intervene wrong motives just to save people. Intercept, I mean. But watch this story. This is a freaky story. So there's a lot of stuff out there. You just don't have to write a book on it. You just, we walk clean. We live in the Lord and we move in authority. So this is, this is all discernment. So I said, you hush in Jesus' name. You stop it. Whoop, silent. And I'm like, Lord, she's out cold. What do I do now? And all of a sudden I realized she was playing with witchcraft. And, and it was, I heard the phrase tarot cards and something else. And I leaned down and I said, honey, I know you can hear me. Nod your head if you can hear me. She nodded her head. I said, have you been this and have you been that? Shook her head, yeah. I said, honey, you're a Christian, aren't you? She said, yeah. And I talked to her about what that is and doing that and the compromise of that, the idolatry of that. I said, honey, it's like co-laboring with the devil. You're crossing lines. You're going in. And, and I, I don't know how I... I, it's, it, I don't have to quote what I said to her. I just helped her in that to understand that, that there was nothing there. And, and I said, this thing's taking advantage of you. And I said, if you could change and go back and do this over and not go that road, would you do that? She shook her head, yes. And I said, that's a good answer. And I said, uh, you, you, you spirit come out of her, etc. Now, now watch what he did. He tries to wow people. He tries to get you focused on him and impressed with him. This lady's laying there. She lifts that high off the ground, her whole body. 
Was that off the ground? And then he slams her head on the floor. And as her head came up, her feet slammed and went like a seesaw, suspended. Because it's just witchcraft. And bam, bam, bam. And it, it startled me. I'll be honest. I'm like, duh. Because you feel like you want to stick a pillow under her. Because it's, it's tormenting. It's trying to hurt her. It's, 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 they're evil. They're hateful. They're, they're mad. They're freaked out by Jesus. They're, so you can't fall apart. And it's not a technique or method. It's love. It's authority. And I said, you stop tormenting her now. In Jesus' name, you let her go. And she just collapsed onto the floor. I sat her up and held her. I said, be filled with Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. She, just, she begins to pray in tongues so beautifully. She's just filled with Holy Spirit. Her 12-year-old son is I don't, it's amazing. I'm sharing this with the video running, but I usually stay away from this stuff because we take it too far. And, but there's some truths here that you learn. You know the old, the old covenant, the Old Testament. There was a lot about the firstborn. And you can understand inheritance, firstborn, and seed. And, 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 and there's things that, that you can still understand and have faith for. Even I understand we're in the New Testament. Yesterday, we made sure that the Old Testament can never challenge the New Testament in the way of healing, right? But there's, there's, there's still a pointing to the new. There's still a blessing on the firstborn. There's still things you can be faithful and prophesy. And, 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 but here's what happened. Her 12-year-old son tapped me. And he looked kind of empty inside. And he said, Can you pray for me like that? That's what he said. What he was saying is, I know something's wrong with me. And I want you to pray for me like that, with results, with power. With love. I mean, you think a 12-year-old will watch that with his mom and be like freaked out and you'd have to minister to him. Like to console him. He's tapping me saying, pray for me like that. And I turned, I said, man, I will. And I looked at him. And I looked at the mom and she's just sitting there. She's still. <laughs> I said, mama, has your boy been going into fits of rage? And just out of the blue, all of a sudden in the last weeks or whatever, just doing just tangents, just flaring up, uncontrollable to where it's scaring you and she just starts bawling. I'm not trying to get freaky with this stuff. It's just how the devil works. He's her, he's her son, firstborn son. She's the mother, authority, Christian home. And the Lord said that the Spirit came upon him through this whole situation and marked the boy for destruction. And I know it's tough when you preach this stuff because people get condemned rather than in faith. Like, I wonder if I brought something upon my child. I wonder if I, oh my God. And they, it's amazing how we react to teaching. And then we wonder where the power is when we pray. We're like condemned in the drop of that. You can't preach truth. People are condemned instead of encouraged sometimes. So we're not preaching it for that. That's, if you're hearing in that ear, it's absolutely ridiculous. Stop doing it. I'm not, I'm not spirit of this, spirit of that guy. Nobody's ever heard me teach that. I don't take this experience and make a doctrine out of it. I just go, as I go, I just follow Holy Ghost. But he called it a spirit of murder. And he said it's upon her firstborn 
through the sin of witchcraft and crossing the line of witchcraft, it's marked her son for destruction. And I'm like, what? And, and it probably has to do with accountability, his age. It probably has to do with a lot of things. Because I can stand here and tell you that your sin can't curse me. You can't even speak curse words about me behind the scenes and curse me. I'm in covenant with God. <laughs> and I'm blessed. It had to do with family, authority, covering. It was something like that. God didn't even explain that. And isn't it something? I never went and searched it out. I never even felt like I had to go on a search for it because maybe I'd have a book written. <sighs> isn't it amazing? God gave me the discernment of the fits of rage. And it was right on the money. And she's bawling because she's afraid. And she said, I've never seen anything like it. It just started happening. It scares me so bad. It's going to lead to something terrible. She's bawling. He was throwing these rages and she's like, oh my God. And I saw in my spirit what was going to happen one day. He was going to do the unthinkable and then go, oh my God, what have I done? Mm -hmm. Do you know how many people are in penitentiaries right now that can't relate to what they did? And it's cost them their whole life. And they're sitting there, not just twisted and evil and murderous. They can't even relate to what they did. They don't even know what happened that night. You'd be amazed. Thousands. So we prayed for this boy. And there was, there was some tension. There was some stuff that kind of manifested and blessed him. And this softness came on him. I watched his countenance change. And he looked at me with big eyes. And he said, real soft voice, I feel all better now. <laughs> like, I know you do. And I held him. And this lady had two little girls that were curled up on the chairs sleeping. And she said, you got to pray for my babies. Please pray for my babies. <laughs> I looked over and I smiled. I said, your babies are fine. Your babies are fine, honey. She said, no, just pray for my babies. <laughs> I said, okay. So I blessed her baby. You know she can bless her babies. But it's something that it was discernment. It, it, it wasn't something that's going to fit in three weeks. It was a situation that she helped create. It is something, it was discernment. It's living by the Spirit. You follow me? Mm -hmm. So it's not a technique. It's, it's as you go. As you go. Preach the kingdom. Things pop up as you go. You just handle, every situation can be totally different. It can be unique. People are different. People are unique. We're textbook people. The gospel's not like that. Living by the Spirit is in a textbook. This school's not one, two, three. You've learned that. Well, you already knew that before you came. It's discernment. It's, it's, we'd rather it be one, two, three. I know we would. It's discernment. It's being genuine. It's just walking in love. It's just yay. In areas where you're not seeing something change, we don't know how to stay with truth if we're not careful. We grab for straws. And we try to find what's going to work. Come on, be honest with me. Be straight and hear my heart. Instead of just sticking with truth and being built up in truth and taking what we have from Him and staying there and refusing to budge. 
we, we, you know, you, 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 there's people that preach the cloud is moving and they use that example when the cloud would move, the Israelites would move. But man, this thing's rock solid. This stuff we're preaching is not subject to move. The cloud's not moving on this topic. <laughs> so stay under the cloud. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So stuff happens, man. I, I, a spirit was coming into our house and, and, and touching my kids somehow at night. It just, it's just that, that bothers me. I don't understand it. But it was. And we drove that thing out one night. God left me see it with my eyes because we didn't know what was going on. And I said, God, something's going on and I just need to know so that we can handle this rightly because this is all new to me. So the night we're praying in the house, I opened my eyes and the thing's standing right in my house. And, and it looked, it, it actually lifted its head and went like, oh my God, you see me. It had no idea I could see it. But when it saw that I saw it, it, it disappeared. It just shot upstairs because it was discerning of spirits. So they don't expect you to see them. There's snakes in the grass. They're moving through the shadows. And that's just what it looked like too. A dark, filthy shadow. And I'm so glad I'm not one of them anymore. huh? Because <laughs> I used to be in agreement with those things. The, the most demonic experience I ever had in my bedroom, it was in my own bedroom, revealed my salvation to me. It didn't make me afraid. It made me realize how born again I was. It was in my bedroom and it made sure that I could feel it. And the more I could feel it, the more I knew I had nothing to do with it. I was totally separated. I got actually excited inside. Because <laughs> I thought, man, I used to be under the dominion of that thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't like, oh my God, the devil's in my room. Ah, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Ah! <laughs> no, thank God I'm saved. You get it, Adam? You got something? Yeah, you said we were a, uh, a textbook culture, and th they don't really have a... Uh... Can you talk a little bit? I, I am assuming that they're not a textbook culture either, the demonic side of it. That's, well, that's the thing. It's, and you need discernment. We need to live by the Spirit. There's no rules in this thing. Just live sanctified. Don't be unaware of His devices. Give Him no place. Christians get their conscience violated. They don't receive mercy and love. They start living in levels of condemnation. All kinds of crazy stuff happens. They get a little unforgiveness towards a person in their heart. Here we are preaching all this stuff, and yet we're not becoming and living. And we open up access, and then the, the water's muddy when we need to minister authority in the kingdom. And then we turn around and say, Where are you, God? You said if I did this, it would work. Are you following me? Jesus is clean. You're clean through His blood. Stay clean by staying in His presence in fellowship with God and give no place to the devil. It's simple. As you do that, you walk in discernment. As you do that, your conscience comes into agreement with the authority on your life. If your conscience has a little reverb in it, the authority in your life is shattered because the conscience reverbing isn't assured of the authority because you're wondering if... You, you, for the lack of a clear conscience, men shipwreck their faith. So now they're praying and they need to move in the Spirit and their conscience is telling them that God might not be able to move through them because. 
And it subverts authority. Your conscience is amazingly important. Protect it and keep it. And if you violate it, get it restored quickly in the love of God. The fact that you want it restored means you qualify. Hello? The fact that you want your conscience restored and that you care. Hello? Keep this simple. That you care. Oh, it's a good word. I can feel it. It's just good. The fact that you care means let it be restored. God loves you. Grow wiser, sharper. Don't go there again. Live in the light. As he's in the light. And let it be done. 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 And never think about it. Look back there. Talk about it again. It's over. And the fact that you go back there, talk about it, think about it, means you haven't found resolve, you haven't received mercy and love, haven't forgiven yourself or whatever, and now your conscience is still vibrating. But yet the kingdom's inside of you, and all authority's inside of you. But you can't manifest it because you're still vibrating. But he's in you, he's with you, he's still saying, go therefore. And you're saying, who? Me? But I can't because of... And at worst or best, I don't know the right term, you'll get trapped trying to use principles and it'll, it, you'll get reduced from relationship to methods. Are you guys following me? Do you know Jesus had zero identity crisis? Zero insecurity. He had no need that man would testify of him or bear witness of him. He knew who he was. So he was in the perfect position to love. Right? And the perfect position to move in total authority. And he wants us to see ourselves in him and through him so we can follow him. Period. Brian, you got something? Yeah. Um, piggybacking off of something you just said earlier. Um, when I was at camp... Uh, and I've seen this now two years in a row, and, and it was in particular in regards to, to girls. Now, there were also guys that manifested some of these things, too. Um, when you were talking... Thanks for qualifying that, because I, I know yeah, it's not just no, the girls. I, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, ju I just preached on this on Sunday when, when Jesus is talking about, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. I said the implication is there's the, the potential for you to continue in something else and be the disciple of something else. And where I've seen... <clears throat> these these kids are in such pain because life is real and family's real and friends are real and loss is real. Right. Um, that they were just lied to through through the experience because I kept telling them over and over over again. There's a truth about what happened. Then there's the lie, and this lie keeps getting dangled oh, in front so of good. them. Please and they listen keep, to what they keep saying. biting on it. And I said because you know they would never treat you that way if they knew the truth about them because you love your neighbor as you love yourself. And whenever we would preach the pure love of God, there was a time um, I was in the lodge. I was meeting with a group of eight girls and their counselor, and we were just we were I was just preaching the pure love of God, your value, your worth, why He came, um, you know. And and I had I just felt like God said I want you to play a song. It was Nick and Rachel Billman's "Fall in Love with Me Again." And hmm. the girls, I'm not even touching them. Some of them are out under the power of God. They're bawling. They're weeping. Another one is sitting like this. And it's 
her everything in her was resisting that truth because as this thing is preached the light being greater than the dark exposes this stuff right it, it draws it out because you said earlier and it was perfect you said because they so want god but there's this thing telling them no you don't you have to believe this and and as, as i would just teach the truth of, of who they were it would draw it out of them and um for me it just seems it because then you know and, and because I same thing, I tried to remember because last year we had an experience where one started talking to me and freaked me out, and it had a name, and it looked me in the face and said, "And you never believed. That's why you did drugs when you were younger." Well, it just heard me say that the night before as I was sharing my testimony, and um, but I ran out of the room. I'm calling Moosey Hart, Will's wife, on the phone, saying, "What you know? What because you're trying to remember everything you've ever been taught." This year it was completely different. It was, yeah, this is I good. just held him, honey, look in my eye, and just, you know, talk to him about the love of God. And tears would just come down their face, and it would just leave. Holy Spirit would come minister peace. Then I'd invite him to come, show him how much he loved him. And these girls would just be out, and a smile would come on their face. They'd come out such childlikeness that whatever was there yeah. was gone. But it was because life's real, and they believed a lie. That's, that's it. I mean, it, a lie came... Do you and, hear how solid this is and what Brian's saying? And a year ago, a year ago, this same fella, yeah. when he was encountered with this, ran out of the room. Yeah. Now watch. No, I understand. But he ran out of the room because et cetera, and he's you know, trying to remember everything he was ever taught, etc. Yeah. But look at the increase in a year, not grabbing for straws, not turning to methods, just pursuing Jesus, going after him, to where now he's ministering super clear truth. Super clear truth is... Exposed and shining light on lies and things and stuff's getting exposed and dealt with through the ministry of the Spirit, through truth. Just a year ago, that was being built. If you don't stay in that place, like Brian has stayed in that place, and stay in that journey of communion, fellowship, being built up in Christ. Do you follow me? There was a time where uh, that getting that heart thing going, where the Lord told me to sing a song over a person that was curled up in a ball, demon-possessed. And he said, sing a song. The reason I don't share a lot of that from the pulpit or write a book on it, we'll all just try to sing over every demon. We'll just say, well, Dan sang over this, sing. That's what we would do. And there's a lot of stuff you can't really share because people try to do what you do. The, the way I live my life, I don't even share from the pulpit. The way I handle symptoms, things, I don't share because people would try to do it and wouldn't have a revelation. They'd do it as a works because it worked for Dan. It ought to work for me. There's books out there, How I Was Healed of Cancer. And everybody with cancer is grabbing those books that have tried everything else. It's relationship with Jesus. It's receiving His love continually. <laughs> In the face of your body getting thinner and them telling you the cancer's... What, what's changed this way? This is your lifeline. This is what you cleave to in the face of all that. Or you go, brother, we got to do something soon. We gotta... John G. Lake, was, he's, he, he, they didn't handle him well in his day. He actually openly talked against doctors. I don't have the same feelings and beliefs that he did. I'm not disrespecting him, but I sure can't deny the fruit in his life. It makes you wonder. A hundred thousand documented healings in a five-year period at Spokane, Washington. A hundred thousand, eighty percent of them hopeless, terminal, and nothing they could have done for them medically. 
And 80% of that 80% was healed instantly in front of their eyes. And this is a man that said, why are we leaning on anything but Jesus and getting persecuted for it? But the terminal that they couldn't help were getting healed instantly. A hundred thousand, 80% of them instantly healed. And 80% of the hundred thousand were terminal and hopeless cases. He had a lady come up to her service to him. He said, now listen to her language. And I have his book. I read it. I haven't read it for a while, but I've read it so many times. In fact, there's a, there's a, there's a chapter the Lord told me yesterday that he wants me to read. I just didn't get to reading it, but I'm going to read it this week. It's called, Do Christians Have the Right to Pray If It Be Thy Will? That's the longest sermon title ever, but that's his sermon title. Do Christians Have the Right to Pray If It Be Thy Will Concerning Healing? And then he just blows that thing out of the water. But he says, he says to this lady, now watch, you think it's insensitive. But to listen to his heart, just hear his heart. Don't, don't snap judgment when I say this, because I can hear his heart. She came to him and said, Brother John, Brother John, I, I'm desperate. We have to do something. See, I hear that language all the time. I get that on my, my phone machine every week. Dan, we've got to do something. I'm desperate. I know I, you're probably busy. You don't know me. I'm from such and such a state. But I have this. You've got to call me. Please, you've got to call me. I've been watching your videos. Please call me. Now, I get that stuff. You have no idea. The lady comes running up to John and says, John, we have to do something. We have to do something. If God doesn't move soon, I'm going to have to do something and make a decision because they said I'm going to die. And he looked at her and said, Honey, what option do you have? What do you mean you have to do something? If God doesn't come, die if you must, but don't let go of God. Yeah. Now see, that, that, the average church would just ostracize him. But yet 100,000 healings. He, he said he was in Africa. He saw over, I think, twice that much in Africa. That's just five-year span of Spokane. The Africa stuff was probably insurmountable. It was probably uncountable. But the miracles and the stuff. There was a boy that broke his neck. His neck was snapped and his head was, it was bad. And he walked, he said he was first growing and first in Africa. And he said there was this man wearing a little goat skin and, and Latwaba or something as his chief. But he was a man of God. God had come upon this man. And he said John went in and he looked at the boy and thought, oh my goodness, because he had never seen anything of this level, prayed for, and he said this boy's neck was totally snapped, broke. And the head, you know what it would probably, it was probably terrible looking on a human being. Mm -hmm. The neck's totally broke. Like, broke, broke. And this man's holding him, praying over him. And John said he's in the tent, and he said, looking at the man praying, he said he, John knew he was instantly, knew he was filled with unbelief just by what he saw. Happens to us, doesn't it? I walked into a man's room to pray for him one day and when I looked at him I began to cry and I took off out the room went home and asked God to forgive me for presumption and not being prepared because my eyes overtook my heart and I had to lay on my face and cry in the bedroom and ask Jesus to have mercy on me and I built myself up in, in, in the gospel and I sat up and I just all these scriptures of authority went back in the room prayed for the man and he came out of a coma six months into a coma when I went into the room the first time, when I looked at him, I couldn't even recognize him. It's a man I had known for years. I looked at him, I couldn't even recognize him. I was so shook by what I saw that I knew if I'd pray it would have been religion. 
It would have been the Christian thing to do. We think because we pray, it's faith. It's, that doesn't mean that at all. You follow what I'm saying? Yes. Let me just, let me get back. I don't know how we got on all this topic. It was your question, John. But this demon thing, this demon thing, I, I don't want to go to indeed. I, I, I want to teach, walk in love, live by the Spirit. Here's Brian. What a testimony. I'm glad it's not an accident. He's here today and he took that mic. A year ago, he got shook because the thing talked to him. He ran to get help. They dealt with it, but he's trying to do everything he was ever taught. This year, he's just ministering truth very clearly. Things are manifesting because of the level of truth. Because that level of truth is there, the authority, the impartation, and all that's real in Brian. It's just now a natural response in the Holy Ghost. And these things have to submit. Isn't that what you experienced? Isn't that beautiful? Do you hear that? The progress? Now if he's grabbing for straws and going on a tangent in the meantime and not just seeking Jesus and clearer truth, then he's a but why guy. Yeah, but why? But then how come? But why? But how come? Do you know that a lot of the church is there? It's because they're not settled into the lap of Jesus. Yeah, brother, but why? Yeah, but then how come? But why? Shh. Go sit with Jesus a little. Shh. Go hang out with the king. Yeah, but... John G. Lake slips out of the tent and here's what he said. Oh, that poor fella. He doesn't, under, he doesn't understand the level of that injury. You know, oh, that poor fella. Here he is praying with all his heart and he doesn't realize how bad that neck's broke. The boy's dead. His neck's broke. Snapped off. His head's just laying. John goes out of the tent and he's out there and he said he just got out because he knew he was full of unbelief and he was actually feeling sorry for the man because he didn't know any better in his knowledge that this is a serious break and the boy's dead. And he's like, oh, that bless his heart. He's still praying for that boy. It's like a period of time later, the chief comes out holding the boy and the boy's clinging to him, laying his head on him and he's holding him. He's totally alive, totally normal, totally healed and John just wiped out. And he just said, God, help me with the wretchedness of unbelief. God. He just bawled and cried out to God. That, that shouldn't even amaze us, a healing like that. He raised Lazarus four dead, days from the dead. Why can't he, man? There's some testimonies that, that David Hogan has that he won't even share in America. Because he said people already don't believe the things he shares. So he doesn't even share them because he's not trying to just stumble people. I know a couple of them. I know the one and it's absolutely amazing. And his wife shared it the first time I met him with tears and said, isn't it amazing we can't share that in America? Because they already condemn and the email why these people are frauds and how they're lying and come on, get real. Do you think that really happened? Stuff like that's all over the internet apparently hate websites and stuff. They found, they, found, they found several decapitated pastors in body bags. So they, all they know to do is pray. So they're praying and David said, the visual is getting into our heads, guys. He said, 
what we're seeing is overpower and what we're saying we believe. But we know God raises the dead. We've all seen him raise the dead. Well, they have all seen it. David's raised 20-some people from the dead in the Holy Ghost. So they positioned the heads on the pastors and closed the body bags so they couldn't see and began to pray and the body bags came alive. They, you, you can't share that because the average Christian says, oh, cut me a break. How stupid do you think I am? Like I'm supposed to bite on that? And all you're doing is gloating in your inability to believe God's word. How's that for a straight statement? <laughs> yeah. Did you catch the principle? The eye gate? Yes. That what you see is above where we've grown. That's a huge principle when it comes to healing. Because many of us haven't even seen a whole lot in the way of healing, but we've seen a whole lot in the way of natural destruction, sickness, pain, disaster. Right? So we're trying to believe for this stuff and we haven't even grown this way. That's why I teach relationship as much as I do. There's times that I know my eyes have so gotten in the way. And I'm like, God, and I have to in my heart build myself up and get back in that thing. You follow me? Where did I see a hand? I know when you were teaching the Going for God conference and you were touching on deliverance and how you operate in it. I was really challenged, and you and I talked about that. And that has, that has so changed over the years because of what you've been teaching and what revelation that God's just showing me and as we step into His love in a way that we hadn't been before. Love's unstoppable. And, yeah. it's, and it's amazing because, you know, I'm seeing, we're seeing things like more so the way you have seen it in the sense that, you know, it pops up, you deal with it. Right. And, it's, and I know in the past it used to be you get all these crazy things happening and, and now it's like it doesn't come out that way. It doesn't no. show up that way. It might try once in a while, it might shy, it try to wear its head or growl. Well, it tried with Jesus and there's times he just said stop it or That's whatever. Right. It yeah. tr- tried. But I, a lot of times it goes crazy in a realm of crazy because there's we get moved by that, we get intimidated by it, we try harder, and the thing draws attention, and actually in, it gets empowered. Because we're a Christians that mean well, that are trying a bunch of stuff and tactics, and love is the most amazing thing on the earth. I'm convinced love's the most. See, because love sees past the person, it doesn't have to take them through an alignment of things, it doesn't, like this girl that's manifesting, and the devil's talking through her, and God says, sing this song. I begin to sing the song, and the song happens to be her favorite song in the Lord. Hmm. <laughs> What's happening is I'm singing the song. Her heart is melting. Inside, she's going, I want to come home. I want you, Daddy. I want your love. I'm so sorry. And the devil goes, it's like tef- she becomes Teflon in the spirit and he slips right off of her. Not Velcro. <laughs> she was Velcro just a minute ago. And all of a sudden she's non-stick. You get it? 
Why? Because of the heart changing and repenting and caring. You see what I'm saying? Authority. Now, you'll read books on purity and holiness. And it'll say the more authority, if you can walk in holiness, you'll walk in greater authority. And there's obviously a scriptural principle there, but that's backwards. You're not trying to be holy to gain authority. You're receiving God's love, wearing His righteousness, His grace towards you. It's changing your life, and authority's found in that place. It's grace. It's not works. It's not, I'm going to try to live holy to walk in more authority. No, I'm accepting my righteousness. I'm a son. I'm staying in the presence of God. And as I wear my righteousness, I produce fruit to holiness. And authority's just found in that place. It's spontaneous. It's like faith works through love. We're trying to have faith, proving that we don't. Because if you're trying to have it, it means you don't. <laughs> Sorry, it's just that simple. Faith works through love. It's the spontaneous result of knowing Him. So if you teach this thing out where you sing over this lady, then people are trying to hit the right song that's going to move her heart. It might not be that way in the next situation. All of a sudden I'm finding out that there's a boy and this thing's on him because of mom and witchcraft and... It's trying to wipe out the boy too. And it's like, whoa, well, the mom's repented. She's free. This boy's going free. I, I still believe the boy could have gone free anyway, even if the mom says, no way. I don't, I don't believe he's subject. I believe he's subject to mercy. It's stuff needs, just needs exposed. Satan's in the dark. You know, it's not like, well, until that mom repents, that boy can't go free. That's what people teach stuff like that. Don't bother me with that stuff. I, I don't have tolerance for that stuff. That, that stuff is anti-mercy. That's legalism. <laughs> That's the generational curse thing, and I'm not getting into that today. Don't ask me questions. It'll take the whole time up, and I will go on a tangent, and somebody will think I'm just dogmatic. We have made a monster out of generational curses. And we fear them, we honor them, we worship them, and we just need to change bloodlines and understand the blessing comes to a thousand generations. And I'm just telling you boldly, there ain't nothing my forefathers could have done that can touch me now. Amen. Nothing. Don't even bother me with it. Amen. That's, that's deception. It invokes fear. It brings fear. And it's a mess. I was on the phone with a fellow yesterday and schizophrenia is in his whole family line. So it's obvious there's a curse there. So it's not that we're denying they're real. Of course they're real. You can see them. You can see the alcoholism through the light. You can see the trait go bam, 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 bam. But when one turns to righteousness, he's blessed to a thousand generations. We don't ever preach that part. We just preach the, to the third and fourth generation, to the third and fourth generation, as if Jesus hasn't come and shed his blood. So it's the same thing of yesterday, the Old Testament in the face of the new. You're just not going to bother me with that anymore. You, you, you can't, con it's, there's, it's, it's just wrong thinking to think that because my forefathers did this, this, and this, I'm doomed and damned now to suffer this, this, and this, and that this thing's going to have to track me my whole life because they opened the door. Well, wonder if Jesus slammed it in his face and I believe that. See, here's the thing. This stuff has power according to what you believe or don't believe. Watch, if Jesse believes that if somebody touches him, 
what's in them can get on him, then he's going to live in levels of intimidation and fear and he's going to watch over his shoulders. If he doesn't believe that and have a grid for that and is established in truth and it's not just some presumptuous, arrogant, high-ho confession, but he honestly has no fear of vulnerability and realizes the throngs, uh, throngings of Jesus, the multitudes, who touched you? What do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you. He didn't seem bothered by that. Christians have this slimed mentality like, serious, I have had countless people over the years say, well, I don't know what's going on with me, but I did change environment now and, and, you know, I'm working with some people and I don't know what they're into. Well, what's it matter what they're into? If it mattered what they're into, how could you ever go into the darkness? How could you ever go ye there for? That's why Christians are praying for Christian atmospheres and Christian workplaces. Get me out of my job, God, and put me in a Christian place. And that's, that's one of the number one prayer requests for a pastor. <laughs> to change my environment and get me around Christians. No, Jesus wants you where you're at. I'm not praying that. I've told people that for years. What do you mean get you out of your job? Are you kidding me? Then it'll be total darkness. No, you need to be there and stay there. I'll never pray this. No, get that off your prayer list. Self-serving little prayer. You just want to surround yourself with Christians. No, but I don't like the way they talk. Then grow in the Lord. <laughs> I'm not being mean. You're supposed to love people, not run from them. Not save yourself. Come down from the cross. <laughs> no, carry your cross. <laughs> you have no idea how many times I got that prayer request. I had a lady call me once. She said, I'm going through this. I don't feel well. She said, but I'm getting my nails and hair done at a different place. And I'm really letting that lady touch me in a lot of ways. And, and I'm not sure what she's into. And, and that, but that was real to her. She's thinking something's getting on her because of that lady. Watch. People say, well, yeah, it happens, Dan. And then they share the testimonies of where it's happened. It happens because there's vulnerability in the heart of the people and they believe it's possible. Your belief is what empowers it. You live by faith. So wonder if you believe as this person's touching you that the power of God is going to flow, that there's an illumination of the Spirit, that the grace of God is there. And, and you just thank God for the fact that she's there. And I, 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 Thanks, Sue. Did, did I tell you the story about the ladies that the lady man that came to church to infiltrate a doctrine into the church where I was pastoring and they were trying to do it through home groups and and they and then I heard about some of this doctrine sneaking into these home groups and it was like a poison and and then I didn't I didn't know about that till after this experience they found out that I was the head over the home groups so they found out I was leading intercessory prayer, so they came to intercessory prayer. They might have thought they were totally in God and doing right. Like some people think their belief is so right that it's so God and that anything else is not God. So they came to intercessory prayer. I don't have a clue. I don't know this is their intent. I don't know what's going on. I don't know nothing. But I found out later they had already been to a couple home groups. And then after this happened, things got more clear. But I'm leading intercessory prayer. 
And I'm just in love with Jesus. I'm just praying for the city, praying for churches. I'm just praying. I'm leading this. And this lady with intent, controlling spirit, came, took my arm, and began to pray in tongues while everybody's praying. And it just looked like she was interceding, but yet she slid over to me in the middle of all the heat of intercession. And I was with some pretty good girls that interceded, so I, we, got, we got rolling and praying. But in the heat of it all, she took my wrist and was rocking and started praying in tongues. Real passionate. And it was the form of control. She was praying that I would be come into agreement with this, that I wouldn't get in the way of this, that I wouldn't block this. Her intent was to get to me as the authority to bring me into position to just say, roll out the carpet for these folks. I found all this out later. Watch what happened. It's phenomenal to me. That's why I come across, I got to tell you some of these stories so you, just, so you know why I'm like I am. Because I live day by day. I don't read a lot of books and try to apply methods to my life. I just live day by day in Jesus and every day is fun and surprising and exciting. She takes my arm and as she's rocking, I feel, literally felt very tangible, the power of God shoot out of me. It felt like a laser gun. It went this way. And she went, ah! 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 and fell on the floor. And I'm standing there, I don't even know what's going on, I don't have a clue, I'm still praying for the city. I'm like, whatever. I'm thinking she's just a manifesting lady. I've seen them before, no offense ladies. So I just kept praying and I didn't have no clue what was happening. When this thing really unfolded, I realized what was happening. And when this controlling thing and this prayer of manipulation came and targeted me as an authority, the Holy Spirit stepped in and slammed that thing. But I don't have a grid for being contaminated. I have no space for that. You might be amazed the outcome if I had a space for that. I might be some starry-eyed guy today. <laughs> you just might be amazed if I had a grid for that that you make entrance way for stuff. I don't have a grid for that. Holy Spirit stepped in and said, what are you trying to do? That's my boy. Bam! Slammed that thing. I'm telling you, the lady got fried. She's screaming, and I'm thinking, what is going on? But I, could, I knew there was, I felt the power of God flowing out of me, and I'm thinking God was just ministering to her or something. I had no discernment. I got called into this home group. Leader called me, they were coming. I showed up unannounced. They were very nervous. And they were supposed to be sharing something or something. So when she turned it over to them, they were very nervous because I was in the room. And they began to share while I cut it off. And I interrupted and exposed the twist. I said, whoa, wait, whoa, stop. Please love me, but you just got me in a position. I'm in an authority. And then he got vehement, mad, the thing blew up, it was terrible, and I stayed real. The lady, if she was here today, she comes to Harvest Chapel now, she could convey this. She cried at the end, and she said, I'm not boasting in me right now, please hear me clear. She said, I'm con so convicted of my life, because all that comes out of you is love. Even when you're passionate, I can tell you love them, but I wasn't even passionate. I was very gentle with them, because they were way out there. 
veins popping out of their head. Legalistic, demonic spirits. It was horrible. And sure, they were speaking on behalf of the Lord. And they were teaching this doctrine that if you don't repent of every sin immediately and you have unaware sin in your life, you're going to hell. And and that if you leave a Bible study arguing with somebody and don't make amends immediately in your heart and hit a telephone pole, you're, you're going to hell. And as they were walking out the door, veins popping out of their head. I looked and tears filled my eyes. I said, I sure hope you don't wreck on the way home if what you're preaching is true. Because they didn't realize they had become the very thing they were preaching. It was terrible. And I was just weeping and I said, I sure hope you don't hit a pole on the way home if what you're saying is true. Because it won't be a good day. And I started to cry for them. And that's when the sister came up, Pam. And she just said, you teach me so much about love. You were just like oozing love on those people. And I was sitting there half mad that they were trying to take over my home group. She was being real. Like a mother hen. Come in here and try to contaminate my home group. You know? Feeling like that's the right response. How dare them? Can you flow with that kind of mentality? Protective, defensive, and justifying it because they're your babies. But where does love get cut off? I mean, it's break time. I don't know how we got on that whole topic. I so didn't go anywhere where I was trying to go, but we'll blame it on John and we'll just love him because he's leaving Thursday. No, it's good. Bless you guys. Take a break. Praise God. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. You know, I, uh, I didn't intend to talk about all that stuff we talked about. And there's no, and I'm, I'm, John's question was excellent. It was great. It just, it just it, actually, I didn't even really answer it completely. I was trying to avoid answering it completely for certain reasons. Maybe you could tell that. I don't know. Uh, uh, not that it doesn't need answered. I just... It, it, just with the setting, the school, it just. But I, I, I want to go. I want to do something here. I want you to go to Luke eleven. You always have questions with what, what John asked about the, the, the man of Gadara and the, or of the legion and the, and the pigs. I mean, the men that were tending and the pigs were there and then they, they took off and ran. They were afraid uh, in, that, in that scenario because then the pigs ran into the water immediately and died. So when they died, then what? You know, there's all those questions raised. You just have to be careful that you don't just keep asking questions that you have to come up with the answers to. Because that's when we get in trouble. We just ask. We, we, Jesus seems to believe he gave us enough to go on. Let's just get him out of the man. You see what I'm saying? I want you to stay that simple. Now, I, I want you to see this here in, in Luke 11. Because Brian, what Brian shared really blessed me. It really helped what I was trying to accomplish. The reason I was struggling. Because I'm, I'm not trying to come against what people are trying to do. And 
I, I am not a fan of a lot of books. A lot of books I don't believe were written by God. I believe it's because we're a book society. I, I, people just feel like they all, you know, everybody says the Lord led me to write a book. Everybody <laughs> says that. But I'm just, time will tell how many books were really written by the Lord. Uh, some of them actually create more controversy. They just go completely against the other book that's written that the man says the Lord told me to write. It's just, so all these people are saying the Lord told me to write a book. Do you know I get asked to write a book every week? Why haven't you written a book? Why don't you write a book? You need to write a book. Well, God get a book out. He's not saying write a book. It's already written. A pastor in a conference asked me for my notes. I handed him my Bible. I did. I just walked over and handed him my Bible. I said, man, I'm going to miss it. I can get another one though. But he gave it back to me. Thank you, Jesus. But it is already written. And I'm, and I'm not saying there isn't some books that have helped. And, I, and you know, I had one man recently say to me, uh, a book's nothing more than your sermon written out. Well, yeah, but look at all the preaching out there. Not let many of you be teachers. Don't let many among you be teachers, but yet we have thousands of books. And they're so controversial. You can, you can find five different books on one topic saying five different things. And people are major book readers. And then they get confused because they sow all those different lines of thought into their soul. And why not just get alone with Jesus and ask Holy Spirit to unfold truth in your heart because He loves you. And if He tells you to read a book and really puts it in your heart, I want you to read that book. He's done that about five or six times in 16 years to me. I really want you to read that book. It's really important for you to read this book. When I started leading intercessory prayer, he's, I had grabbed a real good book. It's actually a good book on intercessory prayer. And he said, I don't want you to read that. I'm not asking you to read that. I took it in my bedroom to read it. He said, I'm not asking you to read that. I don't even want you to read that. And I went, okay. And here's why. He didn't want me to get the knowledge and then try to apply it. He wanted me to seek him on the topic, him to teach and train me. And then at some point he told me to start reading some things. And I just rejoiced because God showed me to build a confidence that I can hear his voice and be taught and trained by him. Because I really respected the author of the book and the book was crystal clear. But it was the direction we were going. And there was something cool about that. And I was like, yeah. You see what I mean? And then there was things in the book that I read Then he gave me a liberty to read that took me certainly deeper and stuff like that. But... Isn't it amazing how quick we'll tend to just grab a book and read because that's normal everyday thinking in life. We'll grab it and read it rather than just take our Bible and get alone and talk to the Lord. Thank Him that this is life. My best friend is truth. Holy Spirit, you, you open the hearts and eyes of men to write this stuff. There was bloodshed to get this in my hands. I mean, it's amazing through the whole dark ages, through the whole nine yards of history and time. This book is in my hands. And you saw fit to get it to me. God, I honor this. There were so many things that could be written. That if they were written one by one, that Jesus did. But yet you saw fit to record these things inside of this book. They must be important. Come and father me. Open up my heart. Open up my understanding. And thank you as I read it, I begin to see and know truth. I don't know how many people do that. We just grab a book on the topic that we're interested in. 
because we feel like the work's already done or something maybe I don't know <laughs> I like finding treasure I like searching out truth Serious. sometimes it's the easy way let's just go grab a book on the topic and, and the work's already done but wonder if that's not the way you'll see it when you're all alone wonder if that's who's ever read a book you embraced it as truth and came to find down the road that you totally changed down the road from what you used to believe because now you see different. Who's ever had that happen? Why do we have to put ourselves through that? I don't think we have to. I think if Jesus wants us to read it, read it. Don't just read it because it's the new popular book and everybody's reading it. Ask Jesus that stuff. I ask him those kind of questions. We used to hand books out at the church to the whole church, remember? I used to ask Jesus if he wanted me to read the books we were handing out. And I was one of the pastors. <laughs> and there was a whole lot of times he said, don't read the book, just, just seek me. And it's not that the book was wrong. Don't read into that. It's just he said, just seek me. You understand? It's called relationship. I get invited to a whole bunch of churches. He says to me, the Lord says, I don't want you to ask me if you should go. You have a yes unless you hear no. And don't ask questions. It doesn't matter how many are there and it doesn't matter. You have a yes unless you hear no. Well, that's how the gospel is. It's a yes and amen gospel. I'm going to go pray for the sick over there, that one that's limping, unless I hear no. And you'll be amazed, you'll rarely hear no from the Lord because He loves people. The only time you think you hear no is because you're a little self-conscious and you're trying to find a reason not to approach Him because you want to, but you don't. <laughs> and you say, well, the Lord's not leading me. <laughs> no, you're talking yourself out of what He already told you to do most of the time in that case. It's very rare that the Lord will actually say no when it concerns loving a person. There's probably two times in my life that he told me no. One, I was in New York and I was being too aggressive approaching a lady in a parking lot and he told me not to approach her. And it had to do with culture and fear and accusation and that I was up to something, that I was going to snatch her perch or something. I found out the area I was in was one of the highest mugging, purse-snatching areas and I'm cruising across the parking lot to catch a lady before he gets in a car. And I'm not with Christians. I'm not trying to demonstrate power and love. It was just me stopping at a to grab something. I forget what I was even picking up. But I was in a parking lot and I saw this lady and my instinct is to get her before she gets to her car. In her car she was in handicapped parking and she was really hurting. And I thought, oh my goodness, that dear lady. And I thought, I'll hustle over and see if I can pray for her. As I'm shooting across, Holy Spirit said, no, 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 stop. And I'm, stop. And I'm like, what? Of course you want me to pray for her. It was like, no, I don't want you to run up to her car right now. And I'm like, Lord, and I was, I, he didn't answer me right away, but I obeyed. And it happened again on my way out. And it had to do with the parking lot and apprehending towards a car. And when I shared with the pastor, when I got to his house, what happened to me in the parking lot, he explained the area and why that probably was. And it made total sense then. But Holy Spirit didn't give me all that. He just expected me to obey. Not... Well, how come? Well, why? Well, you said, well, you're telling me, and now I want to go pray, and you're telling me to stop. Come on, he's the Lord. Shh, stop. Whoa, he has to be right. When are we going to honor him enough to just say, yes, Lord? But our mentality has been groomed in a way where we have to know, and we got all the questions, and, and now we're almost confronted with even the Lord. 
Do you see what I'm saying? It's a good thing to just obey. Watch this, verse 17. Wow. Thanks so much. I preached with one of these on Sunday. One of these in my hand. We could do this, Jesus. I really did. He was casting out a demon and it was mute. So it was when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, the multitude spoke, the multitude marveled. Are we done already? I'll just go with this for now. You just lay it there. Thanks. Just flip the Flip the switch off. Thank you, Lord. So some of them said, watch what some of them said. Please make sure your, your heart never goes into this realm. He's doing a good thing. He's doing a good thing. He's, he's a mute man speaking. He's, he's, and all of a sudden they're sitting back going, hmm, it's got to be by the devil. He's casting out the devil. Just trying to find something wrong with what's right. Be real careful with that. Others testing him sought from him a sign from heaven. But he knowing their thoughts said, now watch what he said. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. That has a whole lot more significance than what it sounds like he's saying there. Okay. Did you guys get that? Yes. Think about just even your own life and don't compromise. Don't. If God's speaking something to you, man, if he's saying don't eat the tree and your heart's saying don't eat, don't eat the tree, don't eat the tree. Because when you eat the tree, when you know you shouldn't eat the tree, then your conscience is all messed up. There's a dividing thing. And if you don't get that straight through mercy, it brings desolation. There's just... Every kingdom divided against itself. There's no fellowship between light and dark. There's no relationship between Christ and Belial. There's no relationship. And it says that you're the temple of God. What he's saying is never live in compromise. You're sanctified. It doesn't mean you'll never make a mistake. But live out of the purity of your heart. and Live true to your conscience. No one can serve two masters. He'll be devoted to one and despise the other. He'll be completely sold out and he'll end up hating the other. I've seen that stuff. and Oh gosh. Don't just see that as a setting and a family and a room. See that as an individual as well, is what I'm saying. Okay? If Satan is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because you say I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast? Sounds like he's slamming them. 
Therefore they will be your judges. Now watch what he says here. Watch what he says. I am not being rude. I'm not being cynical. It's not because he read the latest demonology book. It's the authority and the presence of God. It's not a method. Watch. But if I cast out demons with the... Uh, he didn't even say... It's on, he didn't even say the hand of God. He said the finger. I like that. Because <laughs> the devil is thumped. <laughs> the finger of God. It's meaning the power of God. If I cast out demons with the finger of God, then surely the kingdom has come upon you. One of the risks we run in ministry is our methods of ministry because we put our confidence in that instead of the finished work of Christ. And he creates a mess and it wraps around the identity of the ministers. And it's, it's, it's trouble. I'm telling you. I'm just telling you there's some trouble with that in the body of Christ. Our methods have taken the place. Our plan B, so to speak, the way we say God does it through us has taken the place of the finished work of Christ in some areas. We need to be careful. It's the finger of God. If I can get truth into you, if Brian can preach truth, because the pain has a lie attached to it. Did you hear what he said? It was phenomenal what he said. The trauma and the pain is not just trauma and pain. There's lies attached to it to constrain the person and build strongholds in their life. I'm going to put this on. You guys be patient. Handheld was vibrating and humming. See, they're possessed. It was manifesting. <laughs> and rather than cast the spirit out of it, we'll just lay it down because I don't want it anyway. <laughs> but we'll cast the spirit out if he's in you because we want you. Amen. We'll put it in the pigs. No, I like the ham. Duh. Cast out the pigs too. These, the pain, the trauma of your life, the experience of your life, the feeling rejected of your life. Somehow along the line, we started to believe that we need to minister and come against the spirit of rejection and minister to people. Instead of teach them how none of that is the truth about who they are, it's the fall of man. It's the suggestion of life to try to reproduce itself like a cancer into your soul. And that's not you at all. In a lot of areas, especially with this demon thing, it's at the cost of truth in many areas. If you really look, it's, there's no strong ministry of truth. It's a method of ministry to try to get people to feel better. Well, a devil can slip away. He can just chill. He can just back off and the person go, Oh, I feel so good. You feel good? Praise God. Yay. Peace. And Jesus. Yay, I feel so good. No truth. Nothing to take the place of nothing. Just leaving them to hang to dry to live by their feeling. So three hours later, they're not feeling so good. 
then what? That's like cleaning and sweeping a house, but it not being occupied. It's still empty. Okay, yeah. But if I cast out demons by the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now look, catch this. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. His goods. Not what he's occupying doesn't mean it's in peace, but his goods, everything he's brought with him. But when a stronger... <laughs> When a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him. I want to challenge you with something here. To think with me on the track. We're so busy relating the strong man to the devil. When what makes him strong is the lie. Is the devil strong or is it the lie that strengthens him? So what's the strong man, the devil or the lie? the lie? Bingo. And we're chasing the devil. Whew. You have no idea how much I, see, I feel like I want to cry so much because we are chasing pink clouds so much. <laughs> I don't know why this emotion stuff has to hit me like this, but I just want to go curl up and cry and intercede right now. That's how I feel. Stronghold, strong man. Guess what's stronger than the strong man? We say, well, he's talking about the devil and Jesus. He's talking about lies and truth. Continue in the truth. Truth will make you free. He doesn't say continue in ministry. Ministering will make you free. Continue with the anointing of oil and the encouragement of peace. Truth! Make me free. Guess what's stronger than a lie? Truth! Ah. So when Brian, thank, I'm thankful you're here today with that fresh testimony. Because you're just helping out the mouths of two or more is a living epistle. Did you hear what he said? As I'm ministering the truth and exposing the lie and the pain they've been through and all the trauma. Who knows it's real? We don't realize how much we make of the trauma. We have to tell everybody the detail of what we're feeling, going through. And the whole time we're doing it, we don't realize we're making so much of it. No, you make much of Jesus. You make much of Him in the face of that. You don't say, oh my goodness, well, we need to pray because you're obviously carrying a spiritual rejection and we've got to get that spirit off of you. It's not a spirit of rejection. It's a lie that's allowing them to be rejected. It's not a spirit named rejection and now it's, woo goes in and the person says, ooh, I feel cut off and rejected. It's a lie that allows them to believe that. And we're like, spirit of this, spirit of that, spirit of this, spirit of that. It's lies. Look, when the strong man fully armed guards his own palace. Well, the palace doesn't belong to him. He's talking about people. It's guarding people. 
His goods are in peace. So everything, as long as the lie's in place, everything he's desiring to fulfill, deceive, accomplish, is at total peace and in full operation. But when a stronger comes, when Brian starts speaking, isn't it amazing these young denominational girls just start... Why? Because a stronger came. And all of a sudden the palace isn't at peace anymore. Because the light is exposing darkness. And the stronghold, the thing that's holding them captive, is being broken and shattered and cut away. It's not a come out of them, devil. It's a ministry of truth. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. If you're my disciple, continue in my word. You will know the truth. You're going to be amazed. You might not know this, but I spent about five years interviewing, talking to people through certain levels of ministry and talking to the ministers so that I could never be judged as presumptuous and spouting off and delving into things I don't know. That's why I'm a very passionate, aggressive person. You can read that for whatever you want to read it for. But I've seen a lot and I've been involved and I've watched a lot. And I've seen a lot of people hold up moments of freedom as big limelight testimonies when the reality is those people are suffering and hurting, but they're, they're exalting a little moment in a room when nobody else was there and they felt the glory. And yet they're still crying themselves to sleep two years later while they're telling the testimony of how many people are being helped. I'm just aware of that in hundreds of situations. <clears throat> And then people that are going that route feel defensive because it's become who they are. And you're threatening who they are when you're touching what they're doing. Because what they're doing is who they are. It makes it very difficult to address this stuff. So when he asks that question, I'm trying to get away. Because I really didn't want to address all this stuff. But this is really clear right here. We, in a lot of ways, are taking some long road and accomplishing little where truth is our best friend. I am passionate about it. Jesus is the truth. We beheld him in grace and truth. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Study, show yourself approved. The word of God is upheld even above God's name. And we've turned into ministers. We should be truth bearers. We should be giving people, say, no, honey, not trying to cast the devil out of people. No, honey, that's not true at all. No, look at this. Consider this. Well, if they really knew who they were and who you were, they'd have never done that. Don't you see? That's the lie trying to encroach on you and make you disqualified and tell you you're nothing. So now you're finding your identity through their dysfunction. And that's not true. Your identity comes through Christ. Would he have died for you if that's all you are? You're so much more than that. Christ would have never died for you if that's all you are. Are you kidding me? This is the lie trying to cover over you and blanket you and cause you to reproduce that into your generation and the next generation. Generation and, next, and just lie, but Jesus, ah, ah. 
And we're all mystical and ministers of the Spirit. No, we're ministers of truth. I'll just tell you this, that I've learned that manifestations are a dime a dozen. And if you're looking for them, they'll show up everywhere. And it doesn't mean they're God. And I'm not running the risk of blasphemy right now. You can open a door so wide that anything comes through and goes peeky-boo. And you think because they're manifesting, Jesus is moving. You might be out of bounds. Enticing things. Instead of just giving truth. And then you're playing along, following the leader. As if you're doing something wonderful. Be very careful chasing after manifestations. They're a dime a dozen. Manifestations aren't what heaven's impressed with. Heaven's impressed with truth because it is truth. We follow Holy Spirit. And He's the Spirit of truth. So who's the strong man? The devil or the lie? What empowers the devil? So the dev it's not just it's he's it's not just some kind of lifeline of anointing. It's not just a, it's the lie. You get it? But when a strong everything he brings with the lie. Depression, despair. She said, What is his goods? That's what was just asked. His goods. Everything that comes with him. Hopelessness, suicide, rejection, depression, despair. I deserve this. I made my bed, I'll sleep in it. Yeah, but you don't understand. I was already a Christian when I did it, and, and now I should have known better, so I'm just, I have to. I've heard that one a thousand times in my life. A thousand. I'm not exaggerating. Yeah, but I knew better. Yeah, and you're sorry now. What are you thinking? Stop. So you knew better. So were you forever judged because you knew better? No, you probably didn't know like you know now. You think you knew better, but you sure know better now. Amen. Sounds like you grew. Yes. <laughs> we hold ourselves to judgment and condemnation. And Jesus is saying, go free, go free, go free. And we're trying to come up with a reason why we should be staying bound. And while people are trying to minister freedom, we're embracing a language that's determining my judgment. And yet in our heart we're crying and wish we were free, but we're telling why we have to be judged. I've had people do that a thousand times in my life. And you patiently sit there and just continue to give them truth. There's a couple people my, my wife remembers. She said, don't you get tired of talking to them. It doesn't seem like anything's helping. And see, that's what bothers us, isn't it? So then we have to come up with something else because this isn't working. There is nothing else. It's called truth. And you continue in it and it'll make you free. <laughs> or I can cater to her unbelief, minister to her sensual life or his, and try to get them to feel better and teach them that if they feel good, they're doing good. I will lay down my life for somebody if they have an ear for truth. I don't care if it doesn't seem like they're getting it. If I sow a seed, God says it'll grow. And if I don't sow, there's nothing to grow. 
countless hours with just certain individuals for years. My wife watched that. She said, it's amazing you have that kind of patience for people. And da, da, da. It seems like they're never... And I said, I love people. You say, well, brother, if it was anointed and effective, you'd think they'd be changed by now. That's the cynical stuff people say. Well, then Jesus needs help in his ministry because they crucified him. He should have did a better job and got them all saved. He probably needs some discipleship. Jesus should have went to discipleship camp, evangelistic school, so he could have better fruit. Watch. You and I are sitting here today because of his incredible, amazing view and faith and perception. And if he'd have looked face value, he'd have been a discouraged leader. But he knows God and God's faithfulness. And we're sitting here today because he didn't change his mind. And he didn't write up another plan or another way because he's the way. So Jesus did a good job, didn't he? Well, brother, if we were, we'd have better results if we were hearing God. If we were, why are you weighing everything face value? Where's our faith? Where's our honor, the integrity of the word? What do you mean? Well, if we have better... See, we debrief and weigh our results and try to come up with another way. Well, yeah, but if what you were doing, they'd be free by now, wouldn't they? What are you talking about? Where, where's this turned into a method? You just keep... If you've got a hard rock somewhere and all you had, all you had was a sledgehammer and you had to get that rock out of the way and all you had was a sledgehammer, what would you do? Trouble is, we think we have more than a sledgehammer. We try to find some other tool. Your word is a hammer, able to break the hardest of stone. Hard. What do you do with the hammer? Come on, I'm preaching. See? We're thinking we got to find something else. We go look in a shed, try to find something that works better than his way. I get a discernment of somebody and God uses the word of knowledge and fixes something and reveals a secret and we think that's how every man now is going to be fixed. But if Holy Spirit's not saying that, then give him what he's already said, truth. And we'll run a lot better race, guys. Because we'll follow Jesus if we do that. That's the only reason I'm so passionate. Because if we do that, we're following Jesus. <laughs> When a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. Wow. He who is not with me is against me. It's pretty straight, isn't it? He who is not with me is against me. And it's not a condemning statement and it's not a legalistic statement. Watch the paradox of this. 
You can be free from the intent of evil and wicked. You can come to church faithfully. Fail to encounter and endeavor in truth and receive truth and walk in truth and let your mind be renewed through the word and live contrary to every purpose of God. Not every always, but it could be. I'm just... You follow me? And actually work against the kingdom you want to belong to. either gather to me or you scatter, either for me or you're against me. You can see your need for Savior. There's sincere people that believe they've sinned and they understand Jesus died and they love Him for that and call Him their Savior and don't allow truth to impart integrity, understanding, honor, diligence, faith in their life. Separate themselves from the old sinful nature and all that stuff and live contrary to His purposes and actually let their life work against Him instead of being a minister, just constantly ministry. Need ministry. Not being mean. Just being real. Let me show you Second Peter chapter 1. We're chasing devils. We need to be preaching truth. The devil loves when you chase him. It empowers him. He loves when you go after him. He loves when you believe all this generational curse stuff. He just he loves it. He loves when when Christians are at a prayer line and they pray for the sick and nothing happens and they say very spiritually, "Well, I'm seeing right now by the spirit that there's something one of your uncles did that you just need to find and cover with the blood and get resolved, but there's some kind of curse sticking to you. And, and I'm hearing in my spirit that there's something in your, one of your uncles, you need to track that and find out so you can make amends and cover that with the blood. Well, that happens every week in the body of Christ. And then you send them out of the church feeling cursed, under a curse. I get the phone calls. Look, I've been here, I've been there, I was told this, I was told that. And the people are living under a curse in their mind. <laughs> of people come and they say, I can't get, I, can't, I don't know what's wrong, I can't get right with God. And they usually they have walked away, they did something wrong, they violated their conscience. I can't get, there's such a block. I said, the block's just your failure to receive His love and mercy and forgiveness. It's not too good to be true. Just come home right now in this conversation. When I hang up the phone, lift your hands to heaven and say, God, thank you. You couldn't change. You love me. And thank you that, man, I'm home. They're just failing to believe that. Watch. Nothing can keep you from Him when you want Him. It's just deceptions, feelings, emotions. It's the only thing the devil has to play with. So now we're ministering to people's feelings and emotions. We're ministering to impressions and memories and sensations and flashbacks. And none of them are grounded in truth. And we're chasing them things around the park. And they're staying one step ahead of us and we're just chasing after feelings, emotions, impressions, and memories. And they develop a strong man because they, they're, they're lies. And they just need overcome by truth. 
The things we do to get people healed inside and delivered and free from demons, you can't even find in the life of Jesus. The methods. He didn't minister that way, ever. He's the finger of God. <laughs> Fueled by truth. And everybody's in, everybody's accepted, everybody's loved, everybody qualifies to be free, true? Who do you see Jesus? See, I'm not saying some of this stuff hasn't worked. I understand some of it's worked. Do you, do you have any unforgiveness? Do you have this? Do you have that? We do the whole question list. And I know we're taught to do that in circles. Who do you see Jesus doing that to ever? It's because His love is greater than all that. And all that will work out in the wash once the love comes. But because we walk in very low love, we're trying to compensate with other stuff. Very low power because of that. So we tend to put it on the people that are in trouble that if they do this, agree with this, confess this and do that, they can be okay. Which means if we don't get them to the place of freedom, they're the ones responsible for their bondage and now they're even a little more condemned even if it's secret in their heart. Are you following me? There you go. There's people in this room that understand. It's truth that makes us free, guys. Second Peter, are you there? Wow. See, the Bible's plain and clear. The Bible doesn't say the stuff we say. Well, you just can't receive God's love because you were never loved. None of us were ever loved. That's right. That's right. That's true. The best, the best day we were loved, there was still a selfish slant to it. Amen. <laughs> we still had the ability to disappoint the people around us. On the days we did wrong, we knew it immediately. On the days we did right, it was expected. It's just funny the stuff we say. We have so many reasons why we can't seek Him. And let me be honest, there's not one except the lack of faith. Unbelief's the only thing that could keep you from intimacy. Because the door's wide open. The high priest that never changes is sitting on your behalf saying, come on in. The only thing that's keeping you from going in is you. Period. Yeah, but brother. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. See, every one of them yell buts is in power. That's the strong. That's the lies. So what's the answer? To pray so they get free enough to feel confident to walk into the presence of God? Or to chop up the lies and keep teaching truth and keep pouring true identity into people? So watch how plain the Bible talks. Watch this. Verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. As His divine power has given to us... How many things? Wow. So His divine power has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. So they're here. They're all things. You say, well, I don't feel it, brother. No, I understand that. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Look. 
by which we've been given, we have been given, exceedingly great and precious promises. Watch. That through these promises, it's not about vats and barns being filled and blessings overflowing. Watch. That these promises assure that we partake of the divine nature of God. These promises are assuring that who He is comes to live and dwell inside of us. That I'm lacking no good thing. That the heart and nature and life of God is on the inside of me. And if He loves, I can love. The promises assure that I become one with Him. That I partake of His divine nature. Look. And I've escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust, just selfish desire, self-seeking living. Now watch. But also for this very reason. Now see, that's why I have to realize I'm not just praying a prayer to go to heaven. I'm putting off an old man and I'm putting on the new. I'm putting off the degenerate and I'm being regenerated and, and refathered and revived. And, and I'm coming to life again the way God intended me to be from the beginning of time. I'm being restored back to life. Watch this. So I escape. I'm translated out of, I'm, I'm called out of darkness into Him. Do you see that in that section of Scripture? For this very reason, this is my motivation. I have to, un that's why I preach it relentlessly, that message over and over. Because for this very reason, I'm going to add to that. Because I understand who I am and why. You get it? It actually teaches me to defend against the lie. I'm, I'm not just living for heaven someday. I'm living sanctified, called into the light. I'm living in love. I'm giving no place to the devil. I'm not a house divided. I'm going to stand and stand there for. You see, it puts diligence and integrity in you when you understand why you're a Christian. You're not just rescued. You're transformed. Purpose has changed. Perspective has changed. Identity's changed. It's brand new life. Old things are going. Behold, all things new. And they all pertain to life and godliness. It's here. Now watch. But also for this very reason. For what reason? The fact that we've received all these things and the exceeding promises and the guarantee of partaking of His divine nature. That's a big deal. Who knows that you have to believe that, not feel that? Oh, did you get that? God forbid we keep ministering to each other's feelings. And we start teaching faith. Faith. <laughs> I get people alone, I get real straight and strong sometimes. I say, you can't afford to feel that way. Stop telling me your feelings. They're irrelevant to me. It's exactly how I talk to people when nobody's around. Because I go, I, I'm not trying to embarrass in public. But when I'm alone, I will talk to you like that if that's the strong man. And we will overcome him if you stay in a place of wanting change. Of course, you always run the risk of letting him harden your heart and whatever. Been there, did that, done that. Tried that, brother. That didn't work for me. Method mentality. Wait, I thought you were His. I thought you denied yourself. Where are you finding all these rights? Why don't you back up and be a Christian? I've been in marriage counseling with nobody else there and had to stop the counseling session and ask them if they're Christians because you're not acting or talking like it right now. You seem like you both need saved. That's me behind the scenes. Love allows me to do that. You think that's harsh? It's the greatest truth they can hear to get them sober. So they're not religious. 
saying the right things with their lips and their hearts far from him, trying to use what they say to get their own way through the other instead of becoming that themselves, holding your spouse to Christian principles instead of becoming those principles. When I have the spouses together, it's on, baby. And you're either going to be Christian when you counsel me or you're going to get saved or I won't be your counselor because I can't help you. You following me? It's not he said, she said. It's Christ-like. <laughs> yeah, but she. Yeah, but he. Well, I wouldn't if he wouldn't have. Well, if she wouldn't have, then I... I don't do well in those counseling appointments. Do you know why? Because it's the strong man that's keeping you that way and you'll never change and you'll never find the right one. Because your eyes are fixed on you. And the best day of your life is when you become love and can see clear for once. Because if everybody owes you something to be okay, you'll never be okay. There'll always be a reason. Ten things could be right, but that one thing's still wrong. And there'll always be a reason to be less than who you really are in Him. And man is still determining your life instead of the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Come on, I'm talking plain and straight, and I hope you can hear me. <laughs> Do you know I believe this stuff I preach to you? That's why I feel like a flake, man. I feel so free. Right now I feel so free. It's ridiculous. It's so good to be alive. But see, that's where you find out if you're really ready to die or if you're just employing a Christian confession. Because it's hard for us to do that, we say. And I'm saying it shouldn't be. And if it is hard, get along with Jesus more and kneel more and surrender more and tell him my life is yours. Let grace overtake me. I don't want to hurt another day of my life because of this stuff. I don't want to live my own life. I don't want to love my own life. Teach me, great Holy Spirit, what it means to not love my own life. I've prayed that prayer a lot over the years. Who knows if you're sincere, he'll come and teach you. <laughs> You might be amazed. It's not harsh. How many times I've asked people in council, are you a Christian? Because their language isn't God. And that's the evidence of a strong man trying to come and win the palace. <laughs> Watch. But also for this very reason, 2, 3, and 4, verses 2, 3, and 4, for this very reason. Oh, I didn't even read verse 1, forgive me. This is Peter writing to those who have obtained, what? Like precious faith with us. How'd they get the faith? By the righteous judgment of God through Jesus Christ. <laughs> what gives me my motivation? I've been made right in the sight of God. I was lost, I'm found. I was dead, I'm alive. I was unlovely and I'm so lovable. Did you get it? Where'd faith come from? Jesus. The righteousness of God through Jesus. So faith is working through the love. For God so loved the world, He sent Jesus to make the world clean and righteous. That's where faith comes from. So if you're not receiving righteousness, that's why you're struggling with faith. Hello? 
If your soul's still vibrating and you're condemned or you're guilty or you see yourself less than he sees you through the cross, no wonder you're struggling with faith because faith comes through receiving what God says about you through his son, period. Did you see it in your Bible? Watch, you're going to see this. This this gets so clear, it's scary. Oh, and I got to hurry because we're almost done. But also for this very reason, giving all, what? Diligence, not weariness, not complaining. Don't give your soul to excuses. I'm just talking plain. I'm not being insensitive. Yeah, but brother, you don't understand. You, You don't even do that to yourself. Don't even put people that love you in that position to have to respond to that. Yeah, but brother, you don't understand. <laughs> Do you hear what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. What you're saying is my circumstance, the way people are being in my situation is greater than the word and what it's telling me. There's a place to get militant. Diligence. Giving all diligence. Add to your faith. Virtue, which I believe is just in that sense the, a very high moral value and excellency of character. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. See, these are, all the, these are all the fruits, all the things that follow. With all diligence, you're adding to your faith these things. You're realizing, wow, I'm in the world. I'm not of the world. As you're being renewed in the spirit of your mind, you're sanctified. You're called out. Of, I'm in the light. I'm a man of God. Man, I have no room for this, no time for this. I give it no place. All of a sudden, in your, in your process of relationship and faith and giving to righteousness, holiness rising up in your life, and these are the fruits and the responses of it. You see what happens? Self-control. Self-control, perseverance. That means the Satan's going to come and try to press you. And yeah, you're not dead to yourself. You still love yourself. You're still a complainer. You'll still grow weary in well-doing. I'll press you a little and find out what you're made of. But perseverance. Perseverance what? Godliness. Because man, when I don't budge in the face of adversity, my true colors are shining now, baby. Now even the devil's provoked me to reveal the true me. Yeah, you get it? And watch. To godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. Now watch. If these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. He who lacks these things just has hidden generational curses and, and, and different demons that need cast out. And Is that what it says? He who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness as has forgotten he was cleansed from his old sins. Do you see how everything hinges? He rules his kingdom from the place of righteousness. Everything hinges on righteousness or unrighteousness. You're going to be one or the other in your mind, and a house divided can't stand. Come on, you're either right with God or you're not. You're either in or you're out. Why not put Him on and say, yay, I'm in. And not hold yourself to perfection, but live from purity. Because if you live from purity, God will align your life. And if you stumble, run to Him. And if you go, man, that wasn't... Run to Him. But let Him love you. Let Him cleanse you continually in your conscience. And let the blood sprinkle you clean from an evil conscience. And stand and be His child. 
See, because if you're not living this way, the Bible doesn't say it's for all these other reasons. It says because you're still dealing with sin consciousness. That's what the Bible says. I just happen to honor that over what we think. Sorry, it's not an offensive issue. I just honor the Bible over what we think. That would be a good day for us to all do that. Because if you just honor what you think, you'll come up with excuses. And the Word's giving you your answers. And you'll be a yell but Christian. And sell yourself cheap. He who lacks these things, it doesn't say one of many things. It just says short-sighted to blindness. You've forgotten your cleansing. You've forgotten your sons. You've, you have, you're not realizing you're in. Now watch. Therefore, brethren, watch the encouragement here. Be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. In other words, if this is a potential impossible, be even more diligent to stand in this truth and don't let anything move you away because that's the strong man in another camp. You following? Watch this promise. For if you live this way, if you do these things, it's not a works thing. That's not how it, don't hear it that way. What he's saying is if you give yourself to this truth, you will never, watch what it says, watch what the Bible says. You will never stumble. <gasps> Blasphemy! The Word of God's just blasphemed Himself. Everybody's stumbling. If you do these things, you'll never stumble. It's not talking about making mistakes. It's all about going backwards. Tripping and skinning your knees and crying for three weeks. Losing your identity for a month. Backtracking instead of forward progress. If you do these things, you'll never stumble. Does your Bible say that? My Bible says that. I'm going to go after that. You can persecute me if you want. You can say I'm out of balance, but I found it in my Bible. It's too late now. It's too late. I, I'm not subject to human opinion. Brother, you're taking this too serious. We'll see. Yeah, who's ever heard that? Well, you can't take everything in the Bible literally. Who's ever heard that? Uh-huh. Sounds like something the devil would say. For so an entrance will be supplied... Because he's just hoping that his change in everlasting torment isn't literal, huh? For so an entrance and hoping that your redemption isn't literal, huh? Then he'll have to see you head to glory and him to destruction, huh? So he'd like you to be destroyed with him. For so an entrance will be supplied to you, how much? Abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now look what he says. For this reason, because this is so amazing and true, I will not... See, this is what I feel like. I can relate to this. this is why I'm so passionate and preach continually and travel everywhere I'm invited. And preach the same message over and over and over. Why? Because I'm not going to be negligent to remind you always of these things. I'm going to be a good steward of His Word. And I'm not going to grab for straws, shift and jump and... Plan A's, B's, C's, D's, and E's. Well, plan A's is Jesus, but B's, C's, D's, and E's. I'm not going to be negligent to remind you of these things always. Even if it seems like you're not getting it, I'll keep preaching it all the more. And I will not grow weary in well-doing and lose heart because I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for His kingdom and for you. 
and I will reap a reward if I don't lose heart, right? Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. But about the time I say, well, I don't think she's getting it. We need to try something else. Wonder of truth is still your answer. If you do these things, you'll never stumble. And then he says, for this reason, I won't be negligent to remind you always of these things, though, watch this, the people he's writing to, though you know and are established in this present truth. So the people he's writing to, he's not even correcting. They're actually living this thing and he's still preaching it. Well, get another sermon, brother. Get some fresh manna. Come on. Let's go deeper. Yeah. He's writing to a church of people that already know what he's talking about and they're already walking it and established in it. And yet he's not going to be negligent to keep reminding them so they never get out of bounds or get off that road. Yes, I think it's right as long as I am in this tent, in this body, to stir you up by reminding you. Because it's good news. Knowing that shortly I must put off my tent. So Peter's saying, look, I'm not going to be here much longer and I'm not going to be able to write to you. So while I'm here, I'm going to do my best to make sure that you know this. Now watch what he says. Moreover, I love this. Makes me want to cry. Moreover, I'll be careful to listen to the heart of Peter. Moreover, over, do you think he believed what he's writing? Yeah. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure you that you always have a reminder of these things after my departure. We did a pretty good job, didn't he? Because I'm reading it to you in the year 2011. He did a pretty good job, didn't he? God honored his heart, didn't he? You know, you read the martyr's history. And we know Peter in, in history was crucified upside down. It's written that his wife, before he was crucified, was crucified. And that the whole time she was being crucified, he stood there yelling, Remember Christ, dear. Remember Christ. Remember Christ. Not, Oh my God, my wife. God, why are you letting this happen to her? God, where's your protection? God. The honor of it all. Because of what he believed. be a good day to be offended for the average soul I lay down my life you make me a pillar in this church da, 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 and that's the best you can do for my wife why do I have to watch her suffer like this some justice merciful God yeah right forgetting that the only reason he's saved is because God is the very thing he's saying he's not instead of loving God he somehow owes us <laughs> She's on the cross being crucified and he's cheering. History records it. I, I, it's not in your Bible. But remember Christ. Remember Christ. What a place of honor. I would pray we'd all understand and be in that place. Why? Because we love not our own life unto death. We're never going to die. We're in him forever. Yay. And we're going to leave a legacy. <laughs> so we're not going to be fearful and weary and well-doing. We're not going to pick up what we say we laid down. God forbid we be religious. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We honor you. We bless you. And we just give our lives to you. Take these things and just build the stronghold of God in us. Yeah. Even when David was on the run from Saul. It's like. Type, you just hit him in the strongholds of those caves and you're surrounded him with a bunch of hurt, seemingly broken people. 
And God, I thank you. You've taken a bunch of hurting, broken people and showed them why they don't have to be hurt and broke. Even if nothing changed in their past. The lies destroyed. And you've hid us in the stronghold of God. It's called truth. We continue in the truth and the truth makes us free. We hold the lie captive and obedient unto Christ. Teach us to do that, Lord. I pray grace over this whole school, over every student. And ask that you bless this word with understanding, revelation, and that this word would become flesh. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. amen. I'm going to be, have to run out kind of quick here today. I'm, Jesse and I have a, a lunch thing we're going to together. And he's on a little tight schedule. And it would be good to redeem a little of my time as well. So just thanks for that. I'll... I'm going to shoot out here with Jesse, but I'll see you guys tomorrow, okay? Bless you. Love you.